Traveling the Vortex. Join the doctor as he travels the vortex and landed episode number 206. And much like this podcast, in my experience, the quicker the fix, the quicker it breaks. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Fixing things quickly. <laughs> There's no other way to do it. Breaking things always. <laughs> you guys have a good week? I did. Kind of. How did finals go? <laughs> did you pass? I don't know yet. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, the wait. The, 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 so, are we going for the review? Finals week is this week coming up, and it's like okay. So I'm focusing. Oh, so it's next week. It's next week. But here's here's the thing. So I'm focusing all of my attention on math because that's that's where I need the help. It's the maths. So I go and I'm studying for the maths and I'm doing the homework for the maths and I'm just ah okay. And I go to the review and I look. I print off the thing which says if your class is at 10 a.m. At this time, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, your final will be at this time. Okay. Why can't my final be Monday at 10? <laughs> Who came up with this? I have classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Why can't I have one class Monday at 10 and one class, one final Wednesday at 11 and one final? Why can't you figure that out? Why, shouldn't, why, why isn't it during class time? Yeah, my final for math is Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Now, who... In their right mind, schedules a final in the morning, 9 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm surprised the professor would want to work on a Saturday. I don't think she was happy about it either. <laughs> so she wasn't the one that scheduled that. Yeah, no, she wasn't her. Somebody at university level. So, okay. So, but I thought, okay, that's good because that gives me all of finals week to study for this final. So right. I go to the review class Friday, which is... They give us the option. You don't have to come to class if you don't want. <laughs> Screw that noise. I'm coming to class. <laughs> How often do you say that? And uh, I'm going to Okay. So I go to the review, and she says, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's this Saturday, it which was yesterday. yesterday. So I'm so glad she clarified because I'd have shown up next week with a head full of maths, and there would have been no final. And I'd have got a big goose egg on her oh. for missing it. Because it was yesterday. And then you would have had to take, likely take math again. Yeah. Fourth time lucky. But um, so it's like, oh, God. So then I got to go to work and stress about it. Because <laughs> I can't study, you know. And uh, left work and we were slammed. And it was like, can I maybe get out a little early when we close? And they kind of looked at me and was like, I got a fight all tomorrow morning. <laughs> I didn't get to study for it. But um, by the time we got out, got done, came home. I missed Friday night. Who even? It's like, I'm sorry, yeah. guys. I'm not tuning in. I got and it would have math. been a short one for you too. I know. I'm so looking forward to. Re- I've been on this roll of. Ah, look, I'm going to put this on the schedule. It's going to be awesome because we haven't seen that ever. I don't get to watch it. <laughs> so um, then 9 a.m. came and I was at the final and took the test and very angrily I, I got up to ask a question and you know I said, so is it inappropriate for me to have you check my math? on this equation because I'm coming up with an answer that's, you know, figure out the compound interest on if you had this much of a house, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm getting up with a $12,000 monthly payment, which I know is not right, <laughs> but I know it's not a decimal or something. She looked at it and she says, it's the wrong formula. I said, okay. So I went back and looked, well, that was kind of a misnomer because it turned out it wasn't necessarily the wrong formula, but I had put the formula together wrong. Uh, so yes, it's my fault, my mistake, but 
I didn't find that out until afterward, and I was kicking myself. And she's like, if it makes any, you know, if it makes you feel better, I think this semester went much better than last time. And I said, well, we'll see, won't we? And she goes, no, I don't think you've really got anything to worry about. So that's that's. I'm hopeful. <laughs> now we spent the last I don't know month and a half talking about statistics and probability. And I really don't know if she knows what she's talking about. If she's telling me, I've got nothing to worry about. But I'm kind of hopeful. So maybe she's gonna fudge the math. Um, the sixth statistics are the fourth time is a charm, <laughs> and the probability is passing. Lady, if I paid for this class again, I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> two plus two equals chair. Um, so then there was that, and I have uh, a take-home music test that I need to finish and turn in tomorrow. And which did just that, and then there's an online component to my rock class that's done. And then I did I did some math of my own and figured out that I have mathematically eliminated myself from passing my philosophy class at all. So the good news is I don't have to take the final <laughs> because even if I scored all of the points, eh, it would make a difference. Huh? It would have to be a really wicked curve. I think I'll email them and tell them I really enjoyed your class despite the status that I have right now. But. If uh, if it's cool with you, I don't want to waste any more of your time. <laughs> so I'm just going to walk away from that one. See you next year. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm, not, I'm done with that. So that was my that was my very 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 good part of the week is that all of the stress and all of the there were tears at one point literally oh, they were just built up to this you know and it's, it's it's all kind of slowly starting to sink into the I don't have to do this. <laughs> For three weeks, <laughs> I can't say for any more, but for three more weeks, I don't have to, you know. And then um, we got presents wrapped and and and, and watched uh, kind of sort of watched Christmas movies all day yesterday with Katrina. We watched we were on a Tim Allen kick for some reason. We watched all three Santa Claus movies and Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, I've so, only seen the first one of those. Of the Santa Claus films, the I second one is the, the, the second one is really really good. The my third one, yeah, the third one's kind of. I mean, I, I love Martin favorite, Short. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I like Martin Short in it, but it's not a very good movie. And then, I do uh, not like Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, I love Christmas I'll be with the Cranks. On that one. <laughs> I love everything about. Christmas I watched Cranks. it once, and then I thought I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was funny and amusing, and you know, it's it's one of those that the more I watch it, the more I like it. Uh, and I love. Maybe the I fact, should give it another shot. Again. I love the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, <clears> whom I love. I like Jamie Lee Curtis. I like Tim Allen too. But. And uh, surprise Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> with a great reveal. You know, one of those moments. <laughs> so that's kind of what we did. We got the bed out of the living room finally, so now I can put the other tree up. You have one tree up in the basement. Right? I have. Well, I decided that, you know, we're, what is today? Oh, eighth? Eighth. Seventh? Yeah. Somewhere Seven. in there? We're a week into December, and I don't have my tree up, so I'm really starting to look <laughs> grinchy. So I was like, at the very least, I'm putting the small one up tonight. Nice. So I got the I got the sci-fi one downstairs. I had hoped <laughs> to come over and see a tree, and it's no, well, so the bed just got taken care of. So that'll be this week's project. <laughs> if we were if recording at my place, you would see a tree. You've got a tree up already. Oh, that's. I guess they started giving away their trees. They, they, the they gave away their tree today. <laughs> The graveyard well, gave up some trees. We went so. by yesterday because I thought I could have sworn it was. They said Saturday, but nope, it was Sunday the seventh. That so. sounds like uh, Keith goes like waits until like one thirty in the morning, sneaks <laughs> into the graveyard, and takes, takes his own tree. <laughs> it's a pretty nice tree this year. <laughs> pull, 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 pull the car around to the back. 
Sarah and I are getting to a point where we're going to just Great buy the, uh, well, artificial. <laughs> it's either do the silent hacksaw so it's quiet but takes longer, or just fire up the chainsaw, and get it done, and get the heck out of there, and then you're out of there. Quick. My dad just get, did get one for his birthday. A chainsaw? Yeah. We should explain about, since I've been bringing up the whole idea of you getting your tree from a graveyard, any new I, listeners as, probably don't remember yeah, last this, year. This is the last year. How this works. Yeah. This is the third year in a row that our one of our local cemeteries and funeral homes gather up Was Christmas I not very trees. PC with graveyard? Sorry. <laughs> eh, they would probably prefer otherwise. They do it in uh, Hutchinson, too. What he does is he goes to the graveyard every Christmas <laughs> looking for Cybermen. That's yeah, what Keith is doing. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they, they gather he's, up Christmas trees and give them out to anybody who wants one. He uh, lights some free. incense and prays for Cybermen to <laughs> arise tonight under the full Christmas moon. I like the great pumpkin. <laughs> he never shows up. <laughs> The Brigadier flies through the air and brings toys to home. <laughs> Better than Santa Claus. <sighs> I'm going to hell for that. No, they give them out. It's free. Although this not year... Not just that. Not just that. <laughs> well, no, well just... I feel so much better now. Uh, I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> Driving the bus. <laughs> Everybody sure will all be sitting at the same table. <laughs> Doing this still. <laughs> Forever. Still podcasting. Traveling the Vortex, coming to you live from hell. Seems <laughs> <laughs> it broke. It really broke. <laughs> travel, travel the Vortex with the doctor landed at episode number 5,623,924. Is it hot enough for you? I'm Keith. <laughs> and that's the open every week. And that's when I killed him, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> but I was already dead. <laughs> Uh, Simpsons moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm derailing your no, tree story. So they give out trees this year. We didn't get uh, it reserved, but if they have extra after four o'clock, you can go by and get one. And you get a nice tree after four. After four. Wow. It's, it's a little crooked. As, as, <laughs> well, what can you expect for after four trees? <laughs> as live trees are now. Sarah and I have decided that this I year the little screws, the little thumb screws tr- in the, the thing are for. The trunk's yeah, the like really bowed. Bent, so you can't really do much about it. I look at it, and I think it's going to fall forward, but it's not going to. Luckily, it's heavy. It's one side. I can't wait to get back to your house so I can see the tree. <laughs> the one side that has more pine needles on it is the one that's sticking outward. And oh, that's so, appropriately so. Yeah, it's the the side that looks like makes it look like it's leaning because the one side is more pine needles than the other. We had that tree one year. <laughs> What we wound up doing because it was very, very like the minute you put an ornament on it, it really started to do that. It, you it, know, it doesn't seem to be tilting at all. It just looks. Well, crooked. we 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 didn't trust it. So we where we had it at the house uh, that we were living at, there was a banister behind it that you know for where the downstairs was looked up into the kitchen, and so we got t- twine and tied that to the banister. <laughs> like, it's not falling that over. That tree's not going anywhere this year. And then we front loaded all this the year. ornaments. He, on. Did you hear him this say year. this year? <laughs> because Previous you know it's happened in the past. <laughs> I learned from my mistakes, mostly. <laughs> Timber! <laughs> but we decided that we were tired of trees that are rather bowed and the pine needles. So we're going to go out after Christmas and buy an artificial tree. You know, when they're on sale. But I didn't You're get decorated. any ornament. They look just as good as the real ones. I did see your new ornament. Why is he holding a lightsaber? He's not. <laughs> He's totally got a green lightsaber in his hand. I thought the same hand. thing when on. I saw that. I thought, why is he holding it? Oh, it's just a... <laughs> it's the glare. It's a, it's a uh, what do they call it, starburst from the... 
<laughs> lens flare. Lens flare, J.J. Abrams, lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> so we put up the Christmas tree today uh, to the sounds of Celtic thunder. Sarah's been kind of grinchy, humbuggy about Christmas, and this has now got her more in the spirit. Oh, good. She was talking like, well, we don't need to get a tree this year. And I knew that if we didn't, by the end of it, she'd be like, I wish we had a tree. So. Or she'd have killed herself. Well, <laughs> you know, that's what happens. That spir- Depression just spirals into that. So, or, or, you know, good or, thing or, you got a tree. Why, why saved was this even an option? Why, why are you not the man of the house standing up saying, no, damn it, I want a tree? I'm, <laughs> I mean, she was I, the one that insisted I know you love when we her lived and all, together. But, <laughs> man of the house, wow. It's she was the one that insisted when we lived sexist. together that we put a tree up. We weren't going to put a tree up until she said, yes, you must put a tree up. But you know this is a thing for her. So I you know, should that's, been, why, that's, that's why, why I was That's insistent. why you should have grabbed the bull by the horns and said, no, we're well, putting no, a tree I, up. I was very insistent that we were going to go. If I said if they didn't have any, then maybe we won't put one up this year. But I knew they would have one, even after four. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little crooked in the middle. It's, it's, it's not a bad-looking tree if you can overlook the uh, tilting. <laughs> now, okay, so now I have to ask. And don't look at it from the back. And don't look at it from the <laughs> well, back. Well, that side's against the wall because it's with the rearrange, it's... We moved. Oh, I've got my extra goggles from the magazine and three box stops. I'm, I'm going to so come by your house and check window, out the no back of your tree. <laughs> Are these trees grown on site? No. They, they, they just them truck in. them in yeah, and give them, them away. In. They're five to six foot white firs, I think. I imagine they probably come from cemeteries other places that are... Cutting no, I'm serious. There are trees. Well, maybe not even a tree farm, but our, our scaling. We, we need to open a new yeah. block of graves, and so we cut down the right, trees that right. were there. I don't know. Them probably come from there. Possibly, it wouldn't surprise me if they just contract with a with a tree farm and said, "Okay, we want all your five to six foot ones at a reasonable price," and they say, "Okay." But th- this is this is the part that they're giving these trees away. Yeah, they're free trees. Yeah, I'm struggling to figure out the marketing strategy for. A cemetery. Hey, I got a free tree there once. I want to be buried there. That's you know well, what is the th- aside from them bar- years and years and years of free trees. They don't, in they don't usually do ads. <laughs> you don't see. Oh, they do. I've seen. You don't see advertisements on. TV. Oh, I see ads on TV. Not for cemeteries. Oh, yeah. You see it well, for funerals. Funerals. Yeah. But this is a. It's, yeah, it's kind of. The same. You don't see it for cemeteries though. Why do they put on a concert in the cemetery? That's even weirder to me. Like the same cemetery? Summer, yeah, summertime. They put on some concert. Well, that's paganistic. They're trying to call the spirits, <laughs> right? No? I don't know. Oh. It's not the summer solstice. And how many that would be awesome. <laughs> do they do it on the summer solstice? No, they should. Oh, they should do it on the winter solstice. Well, that would be a little uh, cold for a concert uh, in the uh, cemetery. How many have you been to with your candles and incense waiting for Cybermen? <laughs> well, I try to go to different ones every year just in case it's the wrong one. You never know which one the dark cloud is over. This is the cemetery that's the most sincere. <laughs> <laughs> Look around you. Look at all the gravestones. Have you ever seen a cemetery more to? sincere than this one? Uh, mostly I started playing Batman Arkham Origins, which, fittingly enough, is set on Christmas Eve. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a Christmas video game. <laughs> I had a thought. Um, uh, Heckard. I got to work with Heckard today. And, Jan- and Julian. Oh, nice. they, I was, well, we opened the store, and they showed up. They're working at the Vintage Stock Park. Oh, okay. And so they walked in the door after air-humping the door. Um, and they walked in the door <laughs> and had this big, hey, Goofy, we're all together look. And I beat them to the punch, and I hit play on the radio. And you know what I played? 
together again, again. <laughs> and they both bust out laughing, which was great. So this was the first time you were working The first with time we've them? actually got to work with both of them since they started. And they've worked here for almost two months now. The first shift we've I actually had Julian together. I been there for Yeah, oh, I've worked with months. Julian, but Will, for some reason, is like, no, I can't put the... I think Matt is genuinely afraid that we're going to get our siege helmets out and take over the store if we work together. <laughs> I don't know. And then Julian made the comment. He says, well, it's not like you haven't done that before. And it's like, ooh, I did do that once, didn't I? <laughs> Does he know about that? I forgot we overthrew that one guy. Okay. But um, he gave me, we were talking last week about your, your alternative Christmas movies. And James gave me a new one today. Alternative Christmas Well, you know, like Iron oh, Man 3. You, what you consider a Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, the ones that are Movies aren't, set at Christmas. But movies Christmas are set at Christmas. Movies. He gave me one that I had never thought of before. What? Batman Returns. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah the absolutely. lighting of the mayor's Christmas tree. The whole right. thing is set, and I went, "Oh, I'll yes. have to watch that now." We're watching that today, Netflix. so we watch Batman Returns all day long. I'm sorry, I didn't nice. mean to interrupt your story nice. again, but all day, just like a loop. Yeah, in the store. <laughs> in so the store, like... still. Well, it's, we're <laughs> How busy. How often do you rotate the movies out? <clears throat> so by the time well, the day's over, today. you've seen the whole film. Yeah, that's <laughs> gotcha. the plan. All right. I try and change out the film, you know, every day or so. Matt will leave. How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey in for like four days, oh. and I start to twitch. <laughs> that and the nonstop Christmas music is you're driving me crazy. But you know, there's, there's, I'm calm. Finals are over. <sighs> and good. you've got another Batman. And or I, another I've got another Christmas movie, so we watched Batman Returns. Go ahead. So Batman Arkham Origins is pretty fun. Is it? Yeah. Is it as good as the other two? I don't. Bottom I heard a lot is. of complaints that it's not, but I, I so far I, I think it's on par. Well, at least with Arkham City. Really, Arkham um, yeah. City was so much. I haven't got into it as much. It's it's pretty much. There's a lot of the same landmarks that you go to. You see, uh, I'm only probably about a quarter of the way through the story, and it's the plot is the assassins are trying to kill you, but you're trying to stop Black Mask, and so you kind of come across the assassins as they go. I, one of the biggest complaints I heard about it was the combat system. Maybe I don't play these games right, but I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> it plays just like the previous games for me. <laughs> Actually, I'm using some more of the gadgets in my fighting than I did in the previous games. Uh-huh. So there you go. I think they, for me, improved things. There, there's so far there's not as much predator missions. There's oh, been, good. There's been two, which I really enjoyed the predator missions. Yeah. And the one I'm currently on is really weird because I'm in a in the police station taking down cops. Which, as Batman, seems weird. But it's still in a place in his story where the cops don't trust him. So sometimes when you go in to stop a crime on the street or something, you're fighting cops. Because there's still the corruption and stuff. I guess this is my uh, Gotham's off the air, so I need a fix. <laughs> and then we watched Her today. Hurra? Her. Her. With Her. The, oh, uh, the Spike Jones. The Spike Jones. Walking uh, uh, Phoenix. Walking Phoenix. That's it. It's different. Joaquin. I don't know Joaquin. what I expected. It wasn't as funny as I expected. Um, <laughs> Just thought of another walking in a winter in their land. You've seen the I've seen walking, the walking, uh, walking yeah. Christopher Which Walken is cr- walking in a winter winter land. Watching Batman now today, we can do Joaquin. When, when I'm his age, I hope my hair looks that good. I'm yeah. totally going to do the silver haired <laughs> so that I can be surprised all the time. That's the plan. <laughs> Her is interesting. It's uh, it definitely deserved the best writing original screenplay Oscar. Um, kind of a dark. It reminded me to silence my phone. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dark. Uh, it goes some very interesting. Wife, though, so. uh, 
interesting places with the developments of the character. You guys haven't seen it, right? I haven't no. seen it yet. It's I thought about it. It's weird. <laughs> I've thought about it. This week, it's, actually, it's I thought about his, watching uh, it. I mentioned to Mel I want to watch this. It's not his best, Spike Jones' best movie, I think, but it's interesting. It's just, it's a great exploration of that sort of technology. Hmm. It does kind of... The ending leaves me with a giant question that they don't answer. Like, the implications of what happens in the end of the film uh, makes me go, but wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. I, I don't want to say anything more than gotcha, that. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it's... it's it's a surprisingly poignant and emotional piece about character or about love and uh, interactions with people and uh, dealing with way the different ways people feel things. It's really interesting. Amy Adams does a pretty good job in it. I forgot she was in it. Yeah, so did I. Uh, and and it's, it's set near future, right? This yeah, is a more advanced future. AI. He it's works, not. Yeah, it's more advanced. He works day. at a place where everything's voice activated everywhere. So he works at this place where he writes letters for other people. And it's handwrittennotes.com or something. So he writes these thoughtful little notes for people in their handwriting just by dictating it. That's his job. (laughs) (laughs) So it starts off with some really quirky humor, and then it kind of gets heavy and serious. And uh, Scarlett Johansson does a phenomenal job. She was in it, too. (laughs) She's the voice and does such a good job. The more I see of her as an actress or hear of her, the more I'm impressed by her. She totally sells everything this OS goes through. I, I would recommend it to you guys at least. She sells Sarah, everything she's in. Yeah, yeah. We Sarah wasn't Lucy too and, impressed with uh, with the movie. I heard it wasn't very good. Oh, we liked it. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you mentioned that on the show. Did I not? It's it's, it's yet another in a long line of. Was it was hey, Luke, like Luke, Luke, Luke Besson is directing another kick butt woman action flick? You know, okay. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Oh, Scarlett Johansson's in it? Cool. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's in it? All right. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. Was it not as action-packed as you think people thought it would be, and that's why they didn't like it? I think it was... I think it was it made a, them think Partially, yeah. I think partially it was cerebral. it was a little more cerebral than people wanted. I think there maybe wasn't quite as much action as people wanted, even though there's a lot. And I think the... Um, I kept waiting for Gene Reno to show up, and he didn't. I was at this point. <laughs> um, there, was an, there was an almost Gene Reno guy, and it's like, No. Um, but Maybe they could get him for that part. Well, it's a phone call. What's he doing? I haven't seen him. Gene, it's Luke. I'm doing a thing. Okay. Morgan Freeman's in it. Up. Sweet. You know. Um, but th- there, was, there was one bit of <clears throat> plot element at the beginning that in order to get to where we were going, this had to happen. And it's kind of like, but why? Uh, oh, well. Yeah. You're, you're throwing action at me now. I'll forget about that. <laughs> So yeah, no, I, I liked it. We both liked it a lot. I did have an unintentional Friday night off. Hey, <laughs> sorry, unintentional <laughs> Friday night off. I laughed because because I uh, the morning show producer called in sick on Friday, so oh. I got to leave at six o'clock and come back at midnight, and then did you sleep at all, or did you just? No, I just stayed up. I by the time I got went to bed, I figured so I did you been do up who? for twenty three hours. Yeah, from work. No, uh, Friday morning. Friday morning. Oh, six a.m. Yeah. I left at 6 p.m. and came on back Thursday. at midnight. Came back at midnight on Friday. On Friday morning. Six hours later. Yeah. Midnight on Friday morning would be Friday. Friday no, morning. that would be Thursday 20, morning. Yeah. 20, okay, 24 I got you. hours I got before you. Friday night, I, got you. I went to work. <laughs> Thursday night, Friday morning. I'm with it. Took me a minute. So I, I ended up staying up for 23 hours by the time I went to bed. Of course, it didn't help that I was fighting death stroke and losing when I got home. 
Oh. <laughs> Probably because I was so tired. But I was like, well, I'm not quite ready for bed yet. I'll play a little bit more. <laughs> At what point do you guys come home and boot up the video game thinking, I'm just going to play for just a little bit before I go to That's bed? That's the thing with those games. And then, and then you get into it, and an hour goes by, and you start getting your butt whipped. I mean, just yeah. whatever game it is, it doesn't matter. Oh, Lego puzzles are too hard. And <laughs> you're just like, why did I do this to myself? I know I'm in no shape to play. But then you get mad and you and refuse to go this. to bed yeah. until you beat the level yeah. that's three and four and in the morning. It's getting worse and worse. I did eventually beat them. <laughs> Batman Arkham Origins is also one of those games where there's some, a lot of little side missions that I get distracted by. <laughs> oh, look, I can go destroy relays. Okay. <laughs> and then, so I think some of the side missions are more entertaining than the main thread yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and then, uh, so I slept for like four to five hours heavy. <laughs> and then haven't slept very well since then. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I'm getting too old for that. <laughs> brain doesn't need well, sleep. Yeah, so now you know how I felt when I had to do it. The brain doesn't need I sleep. Need the brain just needs to stay did wet. Did you have a turnaround or did you come in on No, I didn't have a turnaround. But that, remember I, but I tried a, to adjust my schedule and then stayed up way too yeah. late. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I stayed, I stayed up all day Sunday and then went to work on Monday morning. How'd that work out for you? went so bad the first day <laughs> second day it was dragging <laughs> and our one of our photogs was in their morning editing and when our, the evening guys yeah, yeah. and then our anchor well, was anchor our was, normal yeah, six and ten o'clock six anchor. Anchor was more so there was only two actual people on the morning show shift that were supposed to be there we were joking it was a hostile takeover <laughs> <laughs> but we got to take the uh orion launch live which was pretty cool that was this week, and I saw it all through Twitter, and I was so mad. Well, it was supposed to happen <laughs> Thursday morning, but didn't, and they had to scrub it. And then so Friday, we didn't get... Th- yeah, I'd have been off Thursday. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had been up at like 7 in the morning. Was, 6 a.m. I was, I was studying. Well, I don't know. They kept postponing it, though. Yeah. So yeah, by the time but they it actually, got up, it probably had was, it I, still I, gone I, over. It I, gone I, I was up and studying, so yeah. I could have... They uh, launched on time, so... Right. To launch, and then it was cool. We got to kind of we didn't take it live, but we were able to keep an eye on it and see the parts fall away as so they cut back to it because because you know we and then we're, I went to bed and didn't know if it landed or not. As our long term listeners know, this podcast is very science orientated because we t- predicted Higgs boson. 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 Um, <laughs> we, we can't predict how Sean will stay it, say it each time. But. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, a mystery. <laughs> Dihoxynucleic acid. No. <laughs> There's a word that I can't say, and I can't think of what it is now because every time I start to. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Is it DNA? No, it's not DNA. Oh, okay. It's dihoxic something. Oh, okay. Um, and, and every time I. If I don't think about it, it's right there, and I could spit it out a moment's notice. The moment I start to think about trying to say it, I screw it up. <laughs> I won't go there now. Um, but you guys realize we're living in the Mars era. Yeah. All of a sudden. It's pretty exciting. After months of nothing, years of nothing, one launch, and this is it. We're now. We're, this this is the the realize There's been more launches this year of uh, space vehicles than there has been in the last ten years. Just in this year mm-hmm. itself. Now we've had some failed ones, but, but this, and some private ones. Yeah, yeah, some that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm counting all of them. Oh, you're counting all private, yeah, the whole public, yeah. and even international. Other other countries. The inter- there have been more this, this the year because we had one, the. Right? We had the Chinese uh, launch that put the vehicle on the moon. We had the well, the, the one that went to the, the asteroid. asteroid wasn't was launched a long time ago, yeah, like yeah, ten years true. ago. But I mean, it was we've had more activity 
uh, landing and and probing and launching and everything that we've had then we've had in ten years combined. So just this year. I'm glad space is getting the attention again. Welcome to the. Monitor. I had several people at work ask me why is it so important about this Orion thing. I had to explain it to them. Well, a lot of people didn't weren't around back when uh, we were launching shuttles just about every other week. Oh uh, yeah. Or know the history of it. Yeah. What'd you do, Glenn? Um, spent most of the weekend cleaning because uh, I think I talked about we're hosting Christmas this year, so we've got a lot of family coming on the twenty fifth, and so we've been just we've been kind of doing that deep clean. It's kind of gotten away from us, and because you know we've got the we boys do the surface clean, but there's a deep down you know got to get behind and get dust bunnies out and cobwebs and yeah. clean walls that starting in the back of the world, yeah, and just moving one way to the other. Um, so I spent today was um, Holly in my bedroom. And going through, and, and I, I have decided that there's stuff in our room that's been sitting there that we haven't touched in like 10 years. Well, not 10, we've only been in this house seven years, but seven years. And I realized it's our room is just acting as storage. So all of this stuff is going into tubs and going into actual storage because it's not, <laughs> it's stuff obviously we're holding on to because we have, you know, we have two garage sales a year. It's stuff that hasn't made it into a garage sale because Sometimes we three. still want it. Yeah, no, we don't ever have three. Um, but, but it's stuff that we obviously want to keep, but now I've decided to pack it up, put it in storage. For, so it's it's going down into our storage area downstairs. Now, is it – I have to ask. Is it sentimental or uh, – Some of it's sentimental. Some of it's like – some of it is like kids' projects from when they were like in kindergarten and younger. Oh, yeah. And it's stuff that we'll keep and we've gone through and looked at, but it's set long enough okay. that now we're, we're putting – we're actually making a Mason and a Caitlin tub. So that will all go in there and we'll, you know, get it out someday and reminisce and then probably won't see it again until we get it out to give it to the kids when they leave – Home, <laughs> but um, so it's that kind of stuff. It's a lot I of it is like mine, I finally so disassembled all. After. I finally disassembled. Yeah, mine's still at <laughs> my parents' house too. Um, it, we've, I finally disassembled all of the electronics and stuff that has gathered on our television or our. our we Holly's got a. Uh, uh, it's like a wardrobe slash um, uh, drawers slash entertainment center. <laughs> In our room, so like one part of it's a wardrobe, another part has her like dresser drawers in it, and then on top of it has been where we have the TV in the room, and we had a we had a, a VCR in there, a DVD player in there, uh, a setup for my iPod so we could you know stream movies to the TV through there. We realized for the last at least five years we've only watched the TV in there now, so that's it. <laughs> so I, we also I, have Apple TV that everything's wired. to, I right? don't have that, an Apple TV in our bedroom yet because uh, I still have old, do. You need a separate one for each device. I've got, yes, you do, and I've got an old. Um, well, that that would be the truth with any of those devices that you buy: Google Chrome, any of that. Kind yeah, of but stuff. those are cheaper. That's true. Well, and, and, but here's the <laughs> thing: mobile. the reason why I haven't gone to that system yet is be, in there is because we've got an old analog television. Oh, so yeah, no yeah, yeah, well, yeah, like yeah, so, yeah. So um, okay, we, when we replace well, when we replace that, we'll we'll put probably go with something like Google Chrome or something in there. Maybe I mean um, Apple TVs are. I mean, they're it, it has they're everything that I use. So I'll probably put an Apple TV in there eventually. But you're an anyway, Apple guy, you're going to put an Apple. Yeah. So I had all these electronics up there, which then really clogs up behind the dresser because I've got all these wires and things. Well, we only watch the TV, so I finally pulled everything out of there and packed it up. So it's that kind of stuff that I'm not ready to get rid of because I may need a DVD player somewhere else. Eventually, one of them breaks, or yeah. the one downstairs actually is on his last leg, so I'll probably go down and take this one, put it down there, and then take the one from downstairs and put it somewhere 
maybe to sell or, or get rid of the parts or whatever. So I went through all of that. <laughs> and as I did that, um, I came across my Cliff Clavin hey. autograph picture, my Will Wheaton autograph picture, <laughs> and my Daphne Ashbrook autograph picture. Yeah, so the three that I've been missing that can now go on to the wall downstairs. Called it. Now, I don't place them and get them on the wall yeah, right well, away. I put them right all in the same spot where I know they are, and they're going down there probably tomorrow because I'm off the next two days. I thumbtacked them to the wall for him so that <laughs> so they probably them. should. <laughs> Um, well, just don't put the hole through the picture. Yeah, oh, you just you thumbtack it, you know, on the on the upper side out of the picture, but the thumbtack yes. pushes yeah, into it, yeah. so it pins it against the wall. That's Is that it. how I'm supposed to do that? Oops. Um, so <laughs> I found those. So I was super excited about that because I mean the, I the, Ashbrook, the Daphne Ashbrook and the Will Wheaton have been missing for two years. Yeah, and Cliff Clayton, Clavin, I keep calling Cliff Clavin, John Ratzenberger has actually been missing for nearly a year. In March, it will have been a full <laughs> year for that one. So. Um, so I got, yeah, I found those and was so excited. Um, so, but that's been most of the weekend, but we did take a break yesterday afternoon from all of our cleaning and we went and saw Big Hero 6. <gasps> Yay! So we, some we, of we've our, all seen it now, right? We've all seen it. Okay. Cashed in some of our Disney movie reward points. Thank you for the heads up on that. I'd forgotten that you could, I, I think I came across that a long time ago, but I had never done it. And then you kind of refreshed my memory. So I did that and got those. Disney movies free for everybody. <laughs> so we had we had two of those certificates, and we had a movie pass that Caitlin had gotten a few months back. And so we only paid for one ticket. We paid for nice. Macy's ticket. And here, I didn't realize that they did this. The vouchers say up to $8 or up to $10. But what they do at Hollywood Video or Hollywood Video, Hollywood uh, Theaters Regal. is they will give you basically if you buy above, they can't, won't give you cash back for them. But if you buy above what you have, they'll give you the full $10 for the tickets, and they'll move that over to the other price. So Mason's ticket was 4 bucks. Really? Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know and because that. Because I said that. I, because I, I've I was, been printing I was, one ticket for I each was, person. Well, you do. You still have to print one ticket for each person. Because like, what they do is I don't think they're – technically they're not meant to push that over. But I told her because I felt I thought I need to be honest about this because I felt kind of bad because she she said four dollars and I said are you sure and she said yeah the uh, this, was 10, this was ten this was ten and this was free yeah and so I said well that says up to ten dollars and she said we just pushed that extra two dollars off to the to another ticket price and I was like okay huh. great so yeah so they we got Mason's ticket for four bucks Sweet. now what they did is the reason it was four is because they actually they used one of the they used Caitlin's pass for one of the adult tickets because those are oh, eight dollars that makes sense and yeah. then they used the Disney although this was not supposed to be probably used correctly because it says two adult tickets on the on the voucher oh, does it yeah I never and paid attention so, to that but what they did is because her ticket was seven dollars we ended up getting a three dollar difference there and a two dollar difference. Uh, on the other one, and so it when they pushed everything over it, it ended, his, it ended up being like four bucks. So, so very cool. Uh, so yeah, we saw Big Hero Six, and wow, it it was good. It was really really good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know that I like it's it's a phenomenal movie. It's on the top of my one, top Disney movies. I don't know that I liked it as well as Frozen. And I don't know that I liked it even as well as Wreck-It Ralph, but yeah. it's way up there. I did not like it as well as Wreck-It Ralph, but it was way up there for me. It's way up there. and uh, I, I really like how it <laughs> approaches grief. This is one of the first kids' movies that I've seen handle grief this way and so well. If I were like a six-year-old and had lost well, when I was six or however old and my, I first encountered death, if I had seen this movie, it, I think it would help me. I can see that. 
I didn't. I, I, maybe I didn't notice it so much because I'm not a kid. I mean, you're not a kid, either, but um, <laughs> I, because I think you said that last or two weeks ago when you reviewed it. Well, I think maybe and did, maybe yeah. it was you. I can't remember. But you guys talked about that, and so I was kind of looking for that, and I, I don't, I didn't recognize it de- dealing with grief any more than anything else. But I mean, it does. It I does deal it, with grief, but I mean, it does deal with loss. I suppose I should yeah, say. Long, I, um, I don't know. It wasn't as, as impactful as far as that goes to me. I, I, I just, I, it, I think it was just something I didn't expect in it. I just like yeah. the fact that they didn't shy away from it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Here's this is this is we're not, not spoiling anything, but this is what happens. And oh, it's hinted at at the trailer anyway. Oh yeah, but so. I, it's just this is what happens, and now we're dealing with it. Yeah. And I, I kind of you, you don't see a lot of that sometimes in right. in, in kids movies. Because well, we're, him we're too busy getting into the talking his, zebra. Yeah, you and know? Then that's what that's what you it. don't see. Yeah, because yeah. you don't see the the kid acting out in that. Okay, and I, I see that. trying to yeah, make I him feel that. better about everything. Right. Yeah. Oh God, Baymax is the best part of that movie, though. Guys, oh. that's such a lovable. Character. My biggest complaint with it is it's like a warm marshmallow. <laughs> is the good kind, not the green kind. Like the end. No. The what? The end is my complaint with it. Really? The I may have to talk off mic about this because I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hadn't been out there since it's only been out there three weeks. It's been out there longer than that, hasn't it? I don't know. Three weeks. Okay, we'll talk off which mic. End? <laughs> the, the, uh, which end? Which I brought up to you. Pretend that wasn't before finals. and <laughs> ah, We'll the, talk off mic. The, um, I don't know how to say it without spoiling it. Yeah, maybe we should just we'll save it. Did you stay for the cutscene? Well, okay, so the 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 cameo, the uh, <laughs> I will say it. There is a Stanley cameo. I think we can safely say that. Spoiled. There's a well, Stan, in, in Stanley the movie, cameo it was in the just movie. A picture. And when I saw that, I went, "Oh!" And I pointed it out, and I told Caitlin, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that's it. That wasn't we got all excited about it." The post credit scene, though, <laughs> that was so good. Oh my gosh, that was so good. <laughs> God, I can't say any more about that. Just stay for the after the credits. Yeah, man, that was so good. Uh, I like I like the whole team too. That was the other thing is that the the previews do not no. Li- they, I, in fact, I, I thought there the, were other I people that, in well, this movie. I knew they were was, because I had know. seen like promotional materials and stuff yeah, with them, the posters but, and stuff. Yeah, and but the, the, I didn't think we would get as much of them as we did. And the, the oh, team yeah. really comes about really early in the in the film. Yeah, so. Big Hero Six. Two guys here. I don't get it. What's the title? Must be a Japanese thing. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really good. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I recommend it to Fam anybody. liked it? Yeah, they all liked it. Kate Mason walked out there and said, that's my favorite movie. Until <laughs> the next that's season. Tar- but, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a target audience right there. It's about kids and giant robots. What's not to- <laughs> well, he's, uh, he asked for uh, Disney Infinity 2.0 for Christmas. And so he's, oh. he's already ended his Christmas list to... Big Hero Six for that instead of he had because he had like Iron Man and Spider Man he still wants those but he like said I think I want these more than these so he's, he'll be happy if he gets any of them but which but he, he doesn't listen to this he, my my mom's getting him the the base set so oh, I think yes. now we'll get him the Baymax and uh, Hero set so Hero Hero I didn't do anything else other than catch up on shows this week. I'm kind of uh, as as much flack as it's getting online. I thought the both the Arrow Flash okay. crossovers, so, both both episodes were phenomenal. I watched the Flash crossover and thought it was good. 
Arrow did not come across. Very That's well what on everybody show. is saying. They're saying that having oh, on, 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 on the show. Flash. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so Oliver Queen does not come off as a good guy in that episode. But it's not. And in fact, I was a little concerned when they were crossing the two over, because we've seen Flash on Arrow a lot. We we saw one time we saw Arrow on Flash. Yeah, you know, kind of near the beginning. Which was just kind of a when they said they were doing a crossover episode and they were going to be in it so predominantly, I thought "Eh, it's not really. But they stayed true to his character, and I loved that. It was so good. Having not having not being caught up on Arrow, oh, get caught up on Arrow. Do I need to? Do I really need to watch the Arrow part of the crossover? Because I didn't feel like I needed it. They're two totally different stories. That that was the nice thing is that if you're not if you don't watch the Flash, the Arrow, you didn't lose much with the Arrow. Yeah, the the story doesn't even really continue. Usually, crossovers is the story. Well, you know what? It was it was more like the old school comic books when they would have characters crossover and yeah, it was a team up. And that was what they 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 just kind of encapsulated their own story. So if you didn't read this line of comics, it didn't matter. You just were getting a guest star appearance, and that's how they really treated the show and in fact I, way to do it. I really like the idea of number one uh, uh, they called the first one the uh, flash versus arrow which was very in line with how, what happens in the story yeah. and then the second one or the uh, the arrow story is called the brave and the bold which if anybody remembers brave and the bold were crossover stories particularly with batman most of the time but those were crossover stories that they did in the dc line years and years and years ago so huh. It was really neat. I, I was, I was, I'm thoroughly pleased. And I was, and everybody's really bashing the, the Arrow one online, saying that it just didn't feel like Arrow. It's not. It wasn't very good. I, I disagree. I think it was, it was, it was really well done, really well paced. And I think the Flash is written better. Barry Allen is written much better and more like his persona in the comic books on Arrow. So you could tell that it was somebody writing this story that wasn't necessarily a writer for for the yeah. Flash TV series and gave him a little more of those those quippy remarks and the and the really kind of, you know, fly by the seat of your pants type character that we've gotten in the comic books. And I really appreciate that and would like to see that carry over into the Flash more and and see them go a little more in that direction well, he's, with him. He's kind of as the storyline of Flash versus Arrow points to, he is kind of fly by the seat of the pants on the show. And dealing with situations, and they've kind of captured that in the series, but you know, they could do a better so. job. They could do a better job. Yeah, I could see that. Well, there's, I'll spoil this for you, and it's not really a spoiler. There's one scene when the Flash first shows up in Arrow, where he gets there, and of course he's run from Central City, well, of course. <laughs> and he gets there, and he goes, "Oh, I'm hungry. Hurry, need something to eat." He comes back. He sits down. He's got sushi. It was so much, and it was that was something that Barry Allen would have done in the Flash comic series. That was that was so in line. And he and he makes some quirky remark. I mean, it was just it was that was. I went. That's the Flash. That's how they need to be writing this character on Flash. That was. I mean, that was it right there. There was a bit too much of a soap opera to Flash currently. Been pining after Iris too much. Well, I'm glad that they went the direction they went this way. Hopefully, that will help. help. Yeah. It's just the issue. Because I'm sorry, if you've watched the show, you know. Although Barry needs to be with Felicity. What they <laughs> What they did though was they they set up a story arc that I felt like they've already done on the Arrow. So, well, yeah, they I'm sure think they have a different audience. Uh, too. I guess so. Which they do, because I haven't watched Donald Vera. <laughs> <laughs> well, get there, please, because it's such a... Uh, eventually, so maybe. Good. My gosh, it's really the one of the best shows on television. I got halfway through the first season and just... I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going gonna, gonna to be so broke in March. 
I'm so excited to see Stephen Amell. And I, I'm almost, I like Stephen Amell so much that I, if his, I don't think his autograph will be 100 bucks. But if it is, I probably would be very tempted to pay that. You guys know I am <laughs> wow. spending a lot of money on autographs. <clears throat> he's your Nathan Fillion. Oh, man, he's so good. And that's the only, the only thing I've ever seen him as in the arrow. I've Who never seen community? him in community. The one yeah. I watched tonight. Who see, was? Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Fillion. Yeah. The one time he's on the show. Just that's it? That's it. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm done now. <laughs> he was a fan. He wanted to be on. All right. Should we move on to news? News. We start off with some sad news. Oh. What now? Ian Fairbairn has passed away. He has been on a number of episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, first one being the Macro Terror, which obviously we haven't seen. Uh, he was also... Mark Gregory, a researcher for international electromatics in the f- in three episodes of The Invasion. Uh, he was also in the third Doctor story, Inferno, as Bromley, the, the technician who to become the first person to mutate into a primord. Oh, the guy that eventually did the nosedive off the, yeah. the the thing, which wasn't actually him, but and was he was heavy. all his final appearance was as Doctor Chester, the medical doctor. In Antarctica, in the Seeds of Doom. He had a beard. Because they all had beards. There's his picture. (laughs) I think so. Not the big orange beard, but the... uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) I thought of something else that goes in news this week. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We're good. I'm just happy that I remembered it. So our I'm thoughts and wishes, sad. Yeah, sad that, our thoughts that he's and wishes passed. go to Absolutely. his family. Uh, and we're very sorry to hear that. But for some happy news, Nicola Bryant's coming to Wichita for Woo! Time Eddie. Yay! Is it Nicola or is it Nicola? 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 I don't know. We'll have to ask her when she becomes a friend Nicola. of the show. And yeah, hopefully we can interview her. That'd be I awesome. would love to. For those that don't recognize the name, that's Perry. And you should make sure she's in two of our audios this week that we're reviewing. That's right. I thought it was pretty fitting that they announced her. We <laughs> kind were of the same to things. Uh, other news. Uh, we reported last week about the DVD Blu-ray release for Last Christmas in the UK. Now we have a date. Last price. Christmas. I gave you my heart. But the very next day, you gave it away. Okay, go ahead, February 17th. This Sorry. I don't remember what it was last week, but it seems later than that for the U.S. February 17th? February 17th. Uh, it's going to be uh, 20 bucks for DVD or Blu-ray, it looks like. Sounds about right. Well, normally it's like 5 bucks higher for Blu-ray. But yeah. hopefully now they're... It, it probably means they won't have as many extras on it. <laughs> well, it's probably. <laughs> so hard telling if it's going to be part of the Series 9 box set. You know, since they didn't do that with... Um, it makes, uh, it makes uh, sense not to do Doctor. it with Time of the Doctor. Yeah, it kind of did, but this this one seems like it should. It should be a part of the box set. Yeah. Although it seems like it should be. When does the box set come out in the U.S.? This week? The Season So it definitely won't be. box set. Yeah. 
So it definitely won't be. Is definitely not, won't yeah, the season eight box that does not include Last Christmas, nor does it include. And so Time I don't the see them putting uh, that on the, the series the nine box set either, because that'll be so far away. Yeah, but look, we won't look get at that till next Doctor Christmas. Doctor the Wheel in the Wardrobe. I guess that's true. They had its own Which single release, and then was they did like two them. years after it aired. Yeah, that's true. By the time it yeah. got released, yeah. you're right. Or maybe it was just two years since I, it aired. And I got a copy of the Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. Tuesday is when the box set comes out. So okay. As does Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. No, not tomorrow. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, I guess from now. Yes. From now, because it's after midnight. I can't. I can't work that way. <laughs> it's still Sunday to me. Tuesday. Tuesday. And then our the final bit of news I have, because Glenn apparently has one other thing. Uh, BBC Worldwide has given an update on the Underwater Menace DVD that they gave us a trailer for long and long Yay, ago. Hey, finally. Uh, the quote is, we hope to release the Underwater Menace in 2015. We delayed the release to ensure that our publishing schedule is phased appropriately across the year and the episode's will be animated. I didn't see the uh, particular interview, but it's been all over social media today. Philip Morris was on uh, Breakfast on BBC. It's a BBC News program this morning. And apparently his interview sort of tilted to the fact that he really doesn't have everything, or it doesn't have secure everything he's kind of made. Um, it sort of hinted to the fact that he had secured. And he didn't show up with Marco Polo, which everybody kind of expected. So if he does, in fact, have Marco Polo, that's not going anywhere soon because of the disputes still. Um, and it made it sound like that perhaps the person that, or the the entity that he was getting the episodes, the lost episodes, how many ever there are, is not playing ball and they're asking for too much. And so the BBC is sort of... he, The BBC, from what I understand... A lot of this is still conjecture, but the BBC apparently funded him in order to pursue these after, because of the securing the uh, Web of Fear and Enemy of the World. Hmm. Apparently now he's having to pay some of that funding back because he's not as far along as he had hoped to be a year down the line. So it sounds oh. like that this is probably... In, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it sounds like maybe this is in correlation with them maybe un- releasing the underwater menace, realizing that maybe that's what put that in limbo was the fact that there was a possibility in a grouping of, of things that he had hopefully secured that he would get that. And now and it sounds like maybe through, at least that doesn't mean that goes away, that those don't exist because they possibly could, but he hasn't readily got them yet from what I understand from the interviews. Again, I haven't seen this actual interview today, but that he doesn't have as much stuff secured as he had hoped to have by this time. And so I'm wondering if that's why the BBC is moving forward hmm. with going ahead and doing some of the stuff that they're animating. Maybe. It makes sense. In fact, when I saw that announcement and then heard about this interview today, it sort of made sense as to why the BBC might have been holding on to this one, just in case yeah. there was some possibility hmm. for it. Now, Sean, that doesn't mean, by the way, that does not mean that those episodes aren't out there. It just means that there's been a lot of difficulty in securing them. And probably because of the success of Enemy of the World... And the Web of Fear, whoever has those properties has probably tightened the leash on them a bit and is asking for more money. So, who knows? To, to, to which I Again, would say a that lot more speculation conjecture. But. The, the 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 peoples like um, I'm not going to name Ian Levine specifically, but you know the the people who are clamoring for 
oh, you need to release what you've got and tell us what you've, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You people all need to shut up and just let the man do his job. It's certainly not just, it's yeah. not just Ian. It's the, it's the community entire. Yeah, but it's, Ian, yeah, the, the, one the, of those, those kind of people yeah. that were very vocal on it about June, about we know that you have them and we've got this and blah, blah, blah. Those are the people that you all need to back off. And I'm one of those people to an though, extent. I, I, so I they, know that there's stuff out there. I think that Philip Morris is also at fault because I think he showed his hand a little too soon. He probably too. did. But I also... Now, so probably now, thinking he was going to be able to acquire them easier than he's right. getting. Th- th- those yeah. people need to shush and let the man do his job. But I also think that whoever has the stuff... Come on. Well, it, it is. It is some. If if this is in fact fan. true, that they're not a fan. That's yeah. not. That's not who. Has, that's the everything that that's, I have yeah. seen. Yeah. It's not a fan that has them. It is Philip Morse wanting to return these, and that person realizing how much of a commodity they have now. It's just a business thing. Yeah. It, it yeah. is some group is. in some, probably in Africa. It's probably some guy or group of people that have them and don't even care about the legacy of Doctor Who or how important it is. As, as far as how personal it is important to people, they realize the money that they, now they can garner from it. Yeah. So it's, that's probably where we're at on that. Anyway, that's so the last I'm going to say about here, it until here's a, here's a the next speculation, I'm sure. <laughs> a, a possibly more optimistic thought, if you want to think of it that way. BBC's lying to us, and well, they're going to release it next yeah, year because they, they acquired they, it. They, they, they found out <laughs> that whatever group of money or group that he's trying to get found out that Underwater Menace isn't actually in that group. And so they're working, letting this go forward now. And then when we haven't had, when was the last classic DVD release? It was last year, wasn't it? The last classic? Well, no, I mean, it was... uh, Wasn't that last year? We got one thing after Enemy and Web. I can't remember what it was. Because Zygons was last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Moonbase was the last one, one. Was it last year or was it this year? Moonbase was this year. Moonbase was this year. Okay, so it's been a long... Regardless, yeah, regardless it's been a long time. It was early this February. Year. Yeah, yeah, it was February. So by the time this comes out, it'll have been a year since they released a classic DVD. Maybe they're waiting because they want to release some well, that have been found we, along with this one, which we aren't going to be able to finish, be- or which we can't put the actual episodes in because they are not in this group. We should certainly mention that the official line from BBC Worldwide is that they... Decided that they needed to parse out the release schedule for discs, and that's their that's their that's oh. the line that's being yeah. given is that they need They're to. They're still rele- uh, re- they were releasing a, a DVD a month. Still, that's true. But, but we also ran into series. series eight, yeah, and and was, we had Time of the Doctor in there. We had Day of the Doctor in it there. Was series, so they have to deal with all two, of that. Part as well. one, series two, right, part two. Exactly. They did a lot of those. They did instead. a deep breath. They did yeah, <laughs> when yeah. that came out, you know. So they've been doing a lot more other stuff instead of focusing on classic series. So there, I mean, there's probably a nugget of truth. So I'm just there. saying, maybe there's just we're gonna do more than just Underwater Menace next year for classic releases. And I I have a feeling it's not a part of that. that we'll see a lot more animated stuff this next year. I hope so. Or some announcements for okay. some animated stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. As, as we've said before, bring it, it on. You bet. Absolutely. Maybe they'll finally bring some of the ones out of Moratorium. That's the part that I think is weird, is these ones that are on Moratorium is like, uh, you know, I, I could see... Polish them up and re-release I could see pulling them. Disney if you need to put something and on a special schedule. edition, but why why the long dry spell between yeah. things when you have well, stuff that's I, not in circulation but currently? But I, I think a lot of that has to do with 
getting time of the doctor out, day of the doctor out, getting the as as Keith alluded to the two they had the two series that they broke up and then they released the well, entire they did series. That series for th- they didn't re-release and it. They then, just broke it up and then they did that for three and four. Although maybe, we, maybe we, it's just the, maybe it's we, the problem is we're listen, looking at it as all that stuff that we're not interested did, in. Right. Well, yeah, or, that or, the, or, that we, or that we or that we expected would come yeah. out. That's the other thing. Yeah. Is. Um, and, and then like you said, you got, we got the moon base, but then on the heels of that, in the next, if you did a two or three month in between after we got moon base, we well, deep breath wouldn't come until August, right? So yeah, that'd have been about well, and, and that's, five months. And, and that's that's, that's that, the dryer. That's when they released those four box sets, right? Of, right. So that the, was on the their three that was on their schedule as well. No, I think it was six box sets because it was the th- it was three, three David right. seasons right. broke up twice. So if you look at it from a well, and, scheduling and, and thing, they them, have been productive yeah. this year. And it, and it also makes sense for them because following the 50th, a lot more people might have come to the show and right. are trying to get into New Who. Right. And a lower price point for a half a box set is easier to swallow than the $70 exactly. for a full box set when you haven't necessarily seen it. Exactly. So it, it makes total sense for them. Yeah. I would just like to see a return of classic DVDs. Well, and I, I think we'll I actually, because so. we get Series 6 tomorrow... Or series six, series eight tomorrow, Tuesday. and you don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of anything coming next. It seems like this will be the year that we get a lot yeah. more of the classic back into rotation. Because we'll get Christmas in February, and so I think we've spent more time on this than we probably needed to. Was that the bit of news, or did you have no? More I have more news than that. Anybody familiar with Star Trek Continues? Oh. No, I know what but you're I, talking about. You, you haven't seen this. About. Okay, first of all, let me set up and say that my piece of news is what took me to Star Trek Continues. You need to go watch Star Trek Continues. This is what uh, the what was the the group that was doing uh, the the continuing Star Trek series uh, that you liked uh, so new, much? New, new Voyages, New Voyages, or Phase Two, depending on what they were going with. This is ten times better. Really, these are done. Sh- in the shot and st- there's three episodes out now. Star Wars continues is a Star Trek. O- Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek continues <laughs> is an online group of filmmakers that got together and they decided that they wanted to continue the five year mission. So they were going to do the the two more years worth of stories that picking right up off of season three. And what they have done is they have done a series. They've done three episodes so far, and they're sh- they've got the sets, and I, these look like the exact sets that Paramount used to shoot the stories. It, it, they're shot for shot, the same set. Now, they may have built these completely from scratch. I didn't read too much to, about yeah. it. It looks incredible. The actors, you that's the only thing that is trouble. you have trouble getting into, but once you've watched the way that these... I can't even explain how well done... the. I've only watched the first episode. I can't explain how well done it is. It... Is like watching the classic television series all over again. It's that incredible. Huh. It, uh, it it's in the four by three ratio, so they haven't done any stretching out. The effects, the special effects, are, are quite a bit better, but still tempered to the fact that they match that old feel and look of the classic series. And that's your homework for this week: is to go watch at least the first episode, so we can talk about this. Okay. It doesn't have to be on show, but you have to <laughs> watch that because you will be blown away on how. Much this is like watching a classic series episode. It's, I thought the New Voyages were doing a good job. With well, it, so. and I've only seen the one that, that you loaned me. So, uh, so this the Doomsday is, Machine one. Uh, I can't remember. It's been four. Three, they got four years so ago. much better after that. Did one. they? Yeah. Okay. Well, this 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 just blew me away. Anyway, so Star Trek continues has done three stories. The first episode 
is the return of Apollo. And it is actual Michael... Um, what's his last name? Uh, it's the guy that, the played, guy that Apollo. played Apollo. It's the same actor comes back, and he this he's he has aged for some reason, and they can't figure out why. And he just <laughs> he ends up like they, there's some, there's some sort of entity that's that becomes a threat, and as they're get as they're being attacked, this thing like dissolves, and Apollo and Athena, I think that was his wife, show up on the bridge of the Empress, and that's how they set it up. And then we go into the credit scene, uh, into the opening credits. Man, this thing is amazing. I'm sorry. I, I will. If you are a fan of the classic <laughs> series, I you drop what you're doing. Stop this podcast and go to www.startrekcontinues.com episodes.html. Now, the reason I bring all of this up now is because they have three episodes, and they announced on their Facebook page. This is the announcement. Star Trek Continues is proud to announce Colin Baker from Doctor Who as our guest star for Episode 4. Colin will bridge the gap between the two most iconic series of all time. Please welcome Colin to Star Trek Continues fam- the Star Trek Continues family. So this gave me chills. Because when you say something like, we'll bridge the gap between the two most iconic series, that could just simply be saying, well, we've got an actor from Doctor Who, and that bridges the gap. But they might play this fast and loose in a way that this might be ambiguously the Doctor on the bridge of the Enterprise, which I think will be so cool. (laughs) So cool. I don't know if they'll go down that route, but... (laughs) I'm so excited. See, that my mind, I, saw that, I saw that headline, and in my, in my mind it said, it translated to, it's going to bridge the gap between Star Trek and Next Gen. No, no, no. Between the two most iconic series of all time. And, yeah. and, 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 and plus, and here's their, I mean, their picture. Is of the, is of, of, them, yeah. of the Sixth Doctor, and it's 1984 to 1986, and it says Colin Baker. Yeah. So, um, Interesting. And for the listeners that don't know, when I said stop what you're doing and go watch this now, Sean actually left and was going downstairs to watch. <laughs> Amazing. You should watch them. Anyway. Watch them. And the actors do a fantastic job. In fact, the guy's playing Kirk is very Kirk-like. The problem is they have, they're have they similar in look, but you ha- it takes a little bit. Until you get into the episode, it takes a little bit, and the voices aren't quite on pitch with the original actors. But, I mean, you can't. That, that. that is the one complaint that I have about new voyages is that I thought the actors they, they they were doing were fine. And, uh, James Crawley, who was playing Kirk uh, and also overseeing all of the stuff has kind of stepped aside to manage more of the business end of it with securing funding and setting up the schedule oh, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so they brought in a new Kirk and I don't like the new Kirk. I should ask you, whoops. He, he's just, Sean, no maybe you'll know. he's just not quite, <laughs> maybe you'll know better than I do. And Crawley was also an Elvis impersonator in a former life, so it's kind of <laughs> like, oh, that's why he's got the. Yeah. In, in Star Trek Continues, the man that's playing Scotty, Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott, his name is Chris Duhon. Is that is he related to James? I have no idea. Because if he is, that was a coup get there, in my opinion. Well, New Voyages has had both George Takai and Walter Canning show up as Sulu and oh, Chekhov. That? Oh, see, that's cool. I so, haven't got that far yeah, you, you, now. Like I said, they got so much better. And uh, they've had an episode written by DC Fontana, who wrote for the original series. Okay. So, so I should also say... And David Gerald now, who Star Trek Continues apparently has had Michael Dorn in some form or fashion. Now, probably a voice, because also Mariana Sirtis... Marina Sirtis. Marina Sirtis is um, the voice of the computer on the Enterprise as well, so... 
Uh, Michael Forrest was Apollo Apollo, and uh, Root Lou Ferrigno has been on the show. Or has been on the yeah, has been on the show. He's in one of the episodes. What did oh. you say his name is? Chris Doohan. Chris Doohan. Yeah. One of the sons of actor James Doohan. There you go. So he wow. is playing his father's role on this series. That's really cool. Chris and his twin brother Montgomery both made uncredited appearances as background extras in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Ah, very cool. Uh, looks like maybe a different actor took over for... Well, he was also McCoy in... Because this is not the, the guy remix. that I saw in the first movie. Oh, was he? Chris was. According to... Yeah, he was a transport officer in Into Darkness and then a Starfleet officer uncredited. Awesome. Very cool. And in New Voyages, too. Oh, Aaron Gray has also been on uh, this as well. Daniel Logan from Star Trek. Or uh, Star Wars. (laughs) I'm getting my tricks and wars crossed again. Uh, Diana Hale, which I'm assuming must have played Athena. She was also Athena in this as well. So I'm just assuming on that one that she's the one that played. Hmm. Anyway... They, uh, hey, check I, this know, out. Uh, yeah, Star more Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Proper Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, that's another piece of news. It's while we're on that subject. <laughs> they fired the director yeah, of Star so Trek 3. Yeah. I was so happy. Um, when you Did you read the article, though? Yes, I did. He's not necessarily been fired because He's they never confirmed that he yeah. directed, which I thought was very misleading in yeah. the headline of that. It was. Because... He he never they never announced it was who another was one of those let's grab attention fans headlines. had assigned had had assumed that he would be the one that that they were going to announce. Well, Paramount had made him. some rumblings initially that that was the direction they were leaning. Right. Then so, fans jumped on it and said, "Oh, he's going to direct." Blah blah blah. And now, uh, Cinema Blade, whoever it was that posted that particular, yeah, was was using a very attention grabbing headline. Oh, yeah. of, and he's I, been fired. It's like he was I, never given the that's job. That's why again I quit with. following a lot of those. Um, uh, they're, they're about on my list of they're getting off they because they, yeah they're they're not good but I, it made me happy because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want him to direct it uh, I don't want him well to write it I either. don't want Chatner and McCoy in the next one either and it sounds like they're still going forward with that you mean uh, Nemo Nemo Chatner and Nemo yeah, yeah I don't this want makes sense for, I, this just doesn't make sense for Shatner I mean don't get me wrong I am it a make Shatner fanatic no it doesn't I'm a Shatner fanatic and I would have loved for Shatner to have been in these things. But you know what? We've moved past that now. Yeah, it, it, the, the opportunity no was the first film. For that's, this to happen. that's as big a mistake as having been in a Cumberbatch beat Khan in, yeah. in, in the Darkness. So, anyway. hey, but at least he's going to be Doctor Strange. Has anybody been uh, <laughs> keeping up on the legacy uh, Advent calendars? I've been getting my butt kicked. Yeah. Did you guys see <laughs> until it got hard? Did you guys see today's <laughs> Advent calendar? I saw yesterday's. Oh, today's is really, really a treat. Is it the, uh, the Zygons? No. Well, there are Zygons. Is this the pixelated this ones? This is the, the pixelated, pixelated one, okay, yeah. is, This is a well, lot of fun. tomorrow we're getting pixelated Zygons. Oh, are we? Okay, yeah, they're, they're doing some of these uh, pixel uh, characters, which I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, it, I wish it was on here. Oh, uh Well, seven Zygons pixelated is the you don't get. I don't. Well, I dropped these. You actually get a Martha and Ood yeah. costume yeah, today. Right. Um, but the name of the, the 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 story is seven Zygons pixelated, um, and there's a uh, group called I think Bigger on the Inside, which uh, has been doing 
the pixelated adventures of Doctor Who, essentially. And they've been giving a lot of love to Doctor Who Legacy. And I think as a kind of a, a give a little something back, they made, they did a, they're doing a crossover with this group. And that's why we're getting some of these pixelated costumes, which are a lot of fun. They're really cool. I, I put Martha's on and I was like, she looks so weird and different, but she's so cute. <laughs> um, the thing that's frustrating me the, the most, though, is actually smaller than all. Yeah, the other. all of them. Well, Martha's about that size too, because <laughs> in the pixelated adventures, they're actually that size too. So, um, if it's uh, the uh, thing that's frustrating me about the advent calendar is so far there's been seven days, and I think I've only gotten four things because unfortunately I've had codes or things before. To have unlocked the characters, well, and so I already have them. I don't have Bessie yet, so I can't. Yeah, do anything and then with there's that another, that's the problem I'm running into. I tried to yeah, do the one where you get the two different Doctor costumes, which I'm assuming I already have them because they're not there, and couldn't even beat the level. That's, the, the two Doctor costumes are the that art, that kind of like um, oh, mist art that yeah. they did. That's what the costumes are, and I and I already had those. So yeah. get those. The really cool one was. It's um, good for I those think who are. Yesterday was the time fragments. Did you guys do that? We got a ton of time fragments if you do that one. I think I. Oh, you got a code? Yeah, you got a code. Yeah, you put okay. that in. I did that one. That and was then a the little, you received code frag, or uh, time fragments. You received, came up like six times, and I went into my time fragments, and I don't think I got one for each one of those. I think I got like four because I suddenly had all these people that could level up or, yeah. or, or change, you know, update in my uh, characters and I was like wow because I was way behind on fragments in fact I had been going through leveling up so much that I had kind of run my supplies low suddenly my supplies were like way up again so I don't think we got just one time fragment with each of those um, times that it pops up and tells you that I think we got two or three did you put your uh, gems in default mode for the level uh, mine are already in default, so I got the pixelated gems so today. Right? Yeah, the gems the are pixelated <laughs> as well. Yeah, it was what what a neat concept. What a, what a great little, uh, especially for an advent calendar, something that's special and outside oh, of what's yeah. really going on. And it, it, that was a lot of fun to see them do something a little outside the box today for that. I, I wouldn't want to see like like I wouldn't mind having costumes for all of the characters. Eventually, don't get me wrong, but I don't think I want to see that kind of theme going for a very long time yeah. because that's that's really it feels so much different than Legacy. But I think giving us all the costumes at some point would be kind of cool to be able to have the option to change everybody. Yeah. Those. But um, I, I, the advent's been a lot of fun. But the, my biggest complaint right now has just been the fact that you know there's been at least three that I have already had the 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 Bessie one. By the way, is the, topless Bessie. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only change. You change her and her little top. Goes away. <laughs> well, what else can you do with her? Exactly. I thought maybe we'd get like a variant on color or something because it seems like the seventh doctor. It was still yellow. It was always it? yellow. The first one it had though, a different was license a, was a different, different license plate. Was that what it was? That would maybe if I didn't look close enough, maybe the license plate changed on the seventh doctor said who's seven. That's right, yeah. I don't so, remember what it was in the five doctors. It seemed like though I read somewhere that the first design Ooh. of Bessie was slightly different than the rest of it. It's still yellow, but it was so slightly different. Today's than the I got stuff. today's two different pixelated eighth doctor costumes. Oh, okay. Well cool. cool. So you get Night of the Doctor and movie costumes. I hope we pixelated. get a, I hope we get a few of those, but I, I don't want like I say I don't And you have to play with the eighth doctor. Oh, okay. That's nice. Um so yeah, so a lot of fun. I'm glad they're doing the event. Keep that up because it, what it does is it makes me check in every day and makes sure I get to yeah. the time crystal every day. <laughs> <laughs> be every once in a while I haven't played for two days and I go, no! <laughs> I This week with uh, finals and everything looming and getting ready for the big run-up, I 
literally went like four days without touching Legacy and abandoned all of my daily check-in and all that stuff. I was like, ah! Because <laughs> this is the first break I've had on Legacy since they started doing the daily check-in bonus. Like, I missed one, but not... Right. And that was rare. See, I missed one. Sometimes I missed one or two a week for uh, a while there I was. But yeah, this has forced me to go every day. Um, the other thing I should say is I just finished the <laughs> Chapter 4 stuff that that dropped, so I'm not done with the prologue or whatever we want to call it. So with the exception of the advent calendar, you're current. Yeah, and I finally dropped the last two uh, characters that I uh, have been struggling with in the fan area, so now I have everything you can drop, everything you can drop, except for the expert levels, which I've started on, and they're massively difficult. Oh my god, even even with a lot of my characters above level 40, some of them maxed at 50, I still can't meet any any of the expert levels. I'm going to have to get real creative to get those guys to drop. Then you can play it for me once you, once you figure that out. The good news yeah, is, is um, eventually yeah, I'll, have, I'll come to a point where I won't be bringing Legacy up during the podcast because <laughs> there won't be anything new to do for me. No, 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 no. All right, that's all I had. Hold on, I'm trying to get the eight Doctor costumes. <laughs> Do you have to play it twice, or do you get them both? It looks like I don't know because I got both the Ood and Martha. I would assume. I think I think it's an automatic now. Because the costumes, well, the, the, the tenth and eleventh, the tenth and eleventh, you had to play oh, it through really? twice in order to get each uh, one of the costumes. I, I didn't because I already had both. Yeah, that was not fun. We can move on to feedback. Let's move on to feedback. First up is Chrissy. She says, "Why so serious?" Dear Vortex Boys, you want to know something? I was 12 before I saw any Star Wars movie from start to finish now. It's because my dad took us all to see it in theaters when the special editions came out. It was very important to him that his children get to, got to see, get to see Star Wars on the big screen. So I don't consider that I grew up Star Wars with Star Wars from my childhood. That being said, I also got chills when I saw the Millennium Falcon in the Episode 7 trailer. Because the Millennium Falcon, and by, by extension her pilot, is just that cool. No one can touch Han Solo for being the best character in the Star Wars universe. Well, maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> you know what? Let's just say it's a tie. No. Sorry, I don't quite get into the mystique surrounding Boba Fett. I'm not sure why he's a fan favorite, but that's neither here nor there. I agree. I'm right with you, Chrissy. Chrissy. Oh, see, I think Obi-Wan. I like Obi-Wan. I think he's a fantastic character, but there's nobody can come anywhere near Han Solo. <laughs> it's like Han Solo, and then like, I don't know. Well, for me, Qui-Gon Jinn's always been a play favorite character, so it's Qui-Gon I would probably... Obi-Wan's probably right around there, around, hovering around third. Boba Fett's way down on the list. Yeah. Obi-Wan got so much better Obi-Wan, in Han Solo. Revenge of the Sith. That oh, was yeah, where Obi-Wan was awesome. Obi-Wan, Han Solo, Palpatine. That's kind of my... <laughs> Vader. My, my, my power ranking. No, yeah, I've always liked Vader. As Vader, not as Anakin. And I was a fan of Boba Fett until the... <laughs> I wasn't even. I was never a big fan of him. Oh, I love Boba Fett. He was, I, th- I think fanboys put it best. Uh, he's the Michael Bay of Star Wars. All style, no substance. Mm. <laughs> you know what turned? Ever off since I heard that, I was like, yes. You know that is why I don't like Boba him. Fett is the, the the scene in Jedi when he goes and nips the little uh, dancing Twilight girl on the chin. Well, but only after the special editions came out. Yeah, and well, it was the special editions. Um, that that bothered me. 
because it, it, it suddenly... It certainly knocked him down a notch for me. Well, it, su- it suddenly meant more than likely that if there was, in fact, a guy in the suit. Yeah. And I liked the idea of Boba Fett being a woman and nobody knowing it. That, to me, was the, that I was the, the big mystery it. in my head that I I wanted to maintain. And not that that couldn't happen, obviously, but just that the, the, they seemed to kind of pander to the well, idea that this is even, how it goes. And it's like, even I don't know. doing the thing on the chin could have been a woman? Yeah, like I said, it's not that it couldn't have happened. <laughs> That actually makes it hotter. But <laughs> anyway, uh, she goes Chrissy on to continues. say, "Oh wait, this is a Doctor Who podcast. Hold on, Are we talking Doctor Who yet today? I forget. Necromantia. I mentioned that uh, Sylvester, or uh, not Sylvester McCoy, uh, Colin Baker is going to. Oh yeah, Colin Baker and Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and here I thought you told us that we couldn't talk about actors and what they were doing with their next projects. Not that I mind. <laughs> Uh, Necromantia. I will be brutally honest, I don't particularly care for this one. I've listened to it several times now, thinking that there's something I'm missing. And nope, I'm not missing anything. If there's a story here, it's hidden beneath all that insane cackling and Perry saying some very odd things for Perry to say. I can't think of any particular examples right now. I just remember her saying bits of dialogue, and I thought, oh, no, that doesn't really work. This is a story that takes me forever to get through because I listen for a few minutes and have to turn it off because nobody here is likable. All the characters seem to run together in this giant incoherent blob of I don't know who the heck this is. And you know me, I love the fifth doctor and his companions, but this one just cannot be salvaged for me. It's, it took weird, uh, it took weird, it's too weird and too bizarre, and yes, I know those mean the same things, but it needs to be said twice in this instance. <laughs> now that you three have reviewed it, I can happily not ever listen to it again. Side note, I read somewhere that the person who wrote Necromantia was never asked to write for Big Finish ever again, even, <laughs> because even the producers at Big Finish hated this story so much. Take that as you will. The Axis of Insanity. This story, I think, is... Necromantia done well. There's a more coherent storyline. The characters are more likable, or at least they they're easily easy to identify. It's a little off the wall and cookie kooky, but kooky kooky. <laughs> but it's done in such a way that makes sense. I love that they play around with mistaken identity. That Jarato can change form and tries to trick the Doctor and Perry into thinking that he, she, it, whatever, is re- really Aramem. I like that Aramim's reading lesson comes back to uh, have a purpose within the story at the end. And uh, I like that they explain how this place came into being. Plus the idea of discarded timelines is a really clever one. What happens to the people and things that don't, get, uh, that don't exist anymore once you've rewritten history? This is a nice idea to explore, especially after listening to Flip Flop last week. Lots of great ideas and characters in, the, in this one. I quite enjoyed it. That's all. F- that's all I've got for this week. Unless there's something between now and when you're when you record, and I actually remember to send it in. Have a great week, everybody. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Next up in feedback is Holly. Holly writes Necromantia and the Axis of Insanity. Hey guys, Necromantia. Not too shabby of an audio adventure. Loved the interactions between Perry the Doctor and Aramum in this story. Leave it to the Doctor to get cricket on the list of Olympic games to play. <laughs> the ending with the Doctor and Aramim went wanting to sacrifice themselves to save the other was emotional. And then Aramim's cat sacrificing himself for the whole team was something I didn't see coming. The Axis of Insanity. Perry teaching Aramim how to read and her getting frustrated about there not being hieroglyphics had me chuckling. 
The doctor getting lost in a funhouse to save Perry makes me feel like a whole lot safer about funhouses. <laughs> <laughs> the old joke about staying put in the TARDIS comes up again. I hate to say it, all of the doctor's companions at one time or another have ignored this request from the doctor, and it's usually for a good reason, to make sure the doctor stays out of trouble and doesn't come this close to getting regenerated. The last part of the story really had me wondering if Jara wasn't actually the Ronnie in disguise, being influenced by the Axis. Part of the story, uh, wait, 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 I had to remind myself that it couldn't be her, although I wouldn't put it past the Ronnie to travel there and get a few ideas unless Jarrah Toe and the Ronnie crossed paths sometimes in the past. Love that Aaron used the sentence that Perry was teaching her to read to let Perry know that she wasn't being controlled by the Axis. I think Aaron's little run-in with Jara Tor and the whole basement institute was Aaron's don't be a space buffalo moment. <laughs> being able to read in two or more languages is a good thing, even though you may get frustrated with it. Well, I'll wrap it up here. Really looking forward to everyone's thoughts on these two stories. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. And that's it for feedback this week. It is. Uh, we, we should mention that uh, we did get a um, Chicago TARDIS report from uh, Time Lord Ben, and we will uh, have him chime in with that um, at the end of our podcast. Oh, okay. I'm going to double check that there's not another email sent. Oh, okay. That. Good idea. <laughs> nope. I, I don't have one, but. <laughs> Well, which do we... Well, I guess I know which one we're going to do. We're we'll going do them in order. <laughs> no, let's do them backwards. Flip-flop them. Exactly. Flop-flip them. <laughs> uh, Necromantia. In the depths of space, a little-known district harbors a terrible secret. Long known as a place of death, it claims thousands more lives as a great corporate space fleet goes to war. As the fleet screams out in fear and pain, an irresistible voice calls out to three travelers on a mac and a macrobay mind sets a deadly trap. The doctor, Perry, and Airman taste taste face the terrors of Taladron and the wrath of a corporate empire as they struggle to understand the hideous secret of the domain of the dead, the district known as the legend of Necromantia. That was a good one. I like that. That's, <laughs> That's good. a good description That'll for work. it. That'll work. This is a, it's not a bad story. It's an okay story. By the way, it, you do have to do this twice. I, I, I just need it. Which one did you get first? <laughs> I don't know. I just went back and did oh, it real quick. I got the movie costume first. Uh, we're doing Legacy again here. Sorry, guys. Hold on. We can watch you continue. I'm done. Oh, well, in, in order to get through Necromantia's review, I think I'm going to need some Legacy. Uh, unfortunately I had a lot of trouble focusing on it in the beginning because there are so many characters and so many plots going on that I have no idea who any of these people are that I don't care in fact I I, kind of like Chrissy uh, after I finished Access of Insanity I had a couple like another day of the week I got done quick enough that I was like well okay I'm going to go back and re-listen to the first part to figure out if I missed something and having listened to it, no, it does make more sense, uh, at least for me. From the I'm up into episode two now. He's uh, so cute. Uh, Sorry, that, that, that's that's just the problem. It, there's too much going on in this story. It's overly convoluted. And while the reveal at the end that this is kind of a now nether sphere, kind of appropriate after 
<laughs> we've done uh, Series 8 kind of idea is kind of neat, but it's just, there's so much dead weight around it the, that it brings the idea down. Dead weight. <laughs> the story can't decide if it's about these almost Sisterhood of Karn like kind of tribals. They they and yeah, I kind of hope to, until they started eating people. I was like, oh, well, maybe not. So you've got that element going. You've got this evil corporation thing going on, and it's like, well, okay, so they're kind of doing the Sunmakers with you know the planetary corporation on Pluto, which that part is interesting. It's but. interesting, but they didn't do. It's like you either didn't do enough with it, yeah, or didn't it tie it in enough. It doesn't that go for it. Just enough. yeah, it's. I, I would have rather had more of that and less of the other. And then you've got the 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 captain of the spaceship and his you know little inter- battle who's a, who's thing, a, and who's a just a corporate lackey. Who's just a corporate lackey? He starts off as kind of a cool character, and you're kind of rooting for him, and then he turns into a corporate lackey, and then he turns into a would be rapist, and it's like, all right, I don't like you. Yeah, uh, you just uh, you, you have dropped so far off the ladder of probability of being liked that I'm done with this, and it, it really never settles on any one thing. It feels very much like a story that it's got its own thing going on. And then we drop the doctor and companions into it. Yeah. If, well, especially considering the whole first episode, pretty much, they're not even with everybody else. Yeah. They went to this marketplace and is killing time until they go. It was just a way to, I guess, because the impression I got was the old uh, fortune teller who was carving with her teeth either was the head priestess lady in disguise from her in their future in her future or was acting on her behalf to get them there yeah and that's the whole reason that whole they're apart for the whole first episode and that's it and what sucks they, they could have just landed there instead the, the, the marketplace bit is probably one of the best and most enjoyable bits in the story yeah and it doesn't have any it's like watching a really good James Bond prologue that suddenly is like, well, the rest of the film kind of sucks now because <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of this. It, uh, I can't quite give it the horn. Yeah. It's it's one step above horn because the Doctor, Perry, and Airman are awesome in this. I really enjoyed listening to them, even though I thought Perry was badly written. I kind of... There was I even parts liked the cat. That, yeah, well, <laughs> the it, it was nice part. to have the cat be a little more of a central role because we brought this cat on board in Airman's first story. And we haven't done much with it. Yeah. I mean, there's a mind of a madman in this cat. And so I kind of like the idea. It was, it was a bit of a redemption. I mean, it was a small, but it was kind of a redemption story for, uh, I can't remember the character's name, that was banished to the cat. But I, It was... I really didn't Honestly, even have I would that. have liked a bigger arc for the cat. <laughs> I, it's it's kind of yet another in a long line of, hey, we're going to set this up, and then not do a thing with it. It, it felt very... Well, the cat's oh, there. And then the cat's there universe. again. And then the cat's there again. But there's all this space in between. It's like... Uh, okay. Well, well and I, there was nice moments of the doctor complaining about the cat. But Well, that's it. The doctor and the cat are great together. Yeah. And if they had just gone that route and the, the madman being trapped in the body of the cat was never mentioned again, well, okay. Yeah. But... They brought it up again, so I was like, okay, we're going to deal with it. No, not really. We're just going to end it. Andronac. That was the name of the cat. And, Andronac. Andronac, yeah. But, yeah, the, <laughs> Perry and Aram, I, lo- I love their relationship. I love the, the, the sisters thing that they almost have going yeah. on, and they're so enjoyable to listen well, and, to. And, and I like the idea that it seems like even before Axis of Insanity, it feels like 
Perry really is being the the teacher, is kind of bringing Aramin along. And I I, I like that relationship between the two because it allows the Doctor to go off and do the scientific things and the exploratory things and and not necessarily have to worry about breaking in a new companion because he's got somebody that's kind of doing that for him and really acting as a, a surrogate teacher or mother, you know, for this character and, and, and helping her, especially since she's from ancient times. Because it's one thing to bring Perry on board from a more modern, more civilized civilization, but to bring somebody on that's a little more primitive and and, yeah. and, and whose world is completely different now, it was kind of nice to have that stepping stone for Aramon, I think. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what was really neat about the marketplace scene is her reveling in the fact that they're on a different planet. Yeah. That was That's just makes that bit even better. Yeah. Um, structurally, I thought it was... Uh, the story is really weak and very convoluted. Structurally, though, I thought it, it felt like... It felt like a Fifth Doctor it story. It felt like a Fifth Doctor story. The problem... The, my biggest problem is it is it's far too gruesome to be a Doctor Who story. Yeah. Especially that was something that I, I had a Mary Whitehouse moment. in the middle moment. of this... The doctor dies. And the doctor doesn't just die. He gets decapitated. Yeah. And doesn't just get decapitated. Then the witches start to eat him. And so it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is just a little too gruesome for my yeah. taste. That, although, that, that set me off. Although, that that kind of turned me off for the rest of the story. Props for big cliffhanger. <laughs> I mean, because you're the one always saying, you can't put the doctor in jeopardy in the cliffhanger. We know he's going to get out of it. And I kept waiting for the moment. All right, here comes. Here comes. Shunk. Okay, sisters, eat his head. And I went, what? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Well, I instantly thought, what did oh, I we're going to come and back I backed from the cliffhanger and realize, oh, that was a different person. It wasn't actually the doctor. Yeah, and then we got into the, so I, I rewound no. it and listened to it again. It was like, no. And I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. It was tough to re-listen to it because it was so gruesome. <laughs> well, then we'll, well, okay, so we'll go forward because like I thought with you, okay, where's the catch? Where's the catch? And they didn't even, nope. just, and then all of a sudden he's watching a cricket match. I'm like, what the but I, I I don't think that moment as gruesome as it was I don't think it would have been as bad had we not had horrible space battle horrible gruesome uh, sacrifices and tongue cutting outing and uh, you know everything that went leading up to this and the fact that they knew the spacers who were being captured were being eaten right yeah. and it's kind of like you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to a story dealing with cannibalism. Maybe audio's not the best way of doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe the threat of cannibalism, but maybe not actually. <laughs> Burp. Okay. <laughs> Bring on the next guy. It's like, uh, and then, like I said, trying to, okay, well, okay, they're, they're cannibals. Obviously, they're the bad guys. And then the military guys suck, and they're all horrible people. And they, everybody who was remotely kind of likable winds up dead. Mm-hmm. Not 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 much there. Um, I really liked. This is going to sound strange. How evil the head of the corporation was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I appreciated well, the fact that as a villain, and he wasn't he wasn't crazy. He wasn't over the top. He was just focused on. I need this to happen. Money, yeah. Power and money. Okay, uh, immortality. Which yeah, that's worth going after. Goes back to your <laughs> point about how it, it could have been. A lot more like the Sunmakers, in that we had such a a really good corporate villain that seemed to be very underused. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, it was it was it was like they were trying to do the Sunmakers, but didn't go far enough. It was like Tobias Vaughn, you yeah. know, but yeah, not, not quite far enough. Far enough. 
Um, and then we'd keep leaving him to go back to the other people. And I'm like, ugh, I don't and care he was, about anything. And on the CEO was barely in the story, really. Yeah. Like five scenes. It's And I really liked his assistant. And I kind of kept waiting for her to step up and, you know, I, it, <laughs> she's part of the reveal. I just don't know what. I don't know what she's going to reveal. Well, if we, if we, well, and, and the reveal of the head priestess working with him didn't quite make sense either. No. Why was it she? It felt kind of shoehorned in there. Yeah. It kind of felt, we need even though I don't twist. think that was the intent, it felt like they were trying to we find some big reason to bring the corporate head in and have more of a connection to this story. And so that's what they did, and, is they had him working with her. And it would have been this just kind of behind the scenes thing. He was. It, 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 Having him have somebody on the inside makes sense. Having it be the head priestess does not make sense yeah. because that totally flies against everything we've learned about this character all the way through the story. Yeah. That she's been doing all of this because she believes it's protected, blah, blah, blah. And she's working for her own ascension into godhood. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah it's it like, doesn't make any what, sense what you that you'd sell it out to the highest bidder. Uh, no. We'll go to the big finished companion, and it does allude to the fact that this was actually delayed for two months. And, in fact, it had to be delayed for so long that they actually put the... It was originally supposed to take the place of the Church and the Crown, which was our last five Doctor, uh, fifth Doctor, Airman, and Perry story. So the Church and Crown was actually supposed to take place after this. They had to slide that up in order to get this one done. And this one ended up taking the next slot. And uh, (laughs) Gary Russell doesn't have a lot to say about this. He said, actually, cut quite a few characters from Austin's script and amalgamate them into a new creation of my own. (laughs) <laughs> and then he said he also had to remove the rape scene, which was another thing that bothered me, was when the, the captain, I can't remember what his name was, is it Harden, Harlan, uh, when he takes Airman to the mm-hmm. to the one room, and I, I got the impression that was what was going to happen, was that he was going to rape her. Because yeah. my problem with that is, Harlan was one of those characters that I felt was set up to, you were not supposed to like him, and then through the course of the, the situation that he was in, you actually sympathized with him, and then by the end, you actually were rooting for him. I had hoped that that's where this character was going. But then when that scene comes up and the the in just how intense that scene in my mind was playing out, I immediately turned back and said, oh, this guy's horrible and there's nothing you can do to make me like him. So even at the end, when they're playing with that whole... He's trying to work the the, uh, the corporate head so that he's basically trying to save the life of his family... I don't care about his family anymore. I'm sorry. And I don't care what kind of uh, thing he's doing to make himself come out good or make the bad guy really pay for what he's doing because of what happened with Airman. And and Gary Russell said he had to cut it. Uh, taper that down, and in fact, he changed it so much as to make it imply that Airman actually did fight him off, which I kind of got the impression from the story as See, well. I'll, I'll be that honest. Ar- that it didn't happen because Airman was so. Uh, Basically, fought him off from, from it the, happening. The, the way this, this way the scene's structured is this is going to happen, and then we cut to something else, more characters I don't care about, and then we cut to I think it was the doctor, yeah, and then eventually got back around Aramum with one dropped line about how she, oh she's fine, just a little beat up, yeah, yeah. and it's like <laughs> so what happened? Right, exactly. And it, it, it really, I was uncertain of how, they just kind of dropped it, and it angered me. It sounds the, like that yeah. was why they the, dropped the, it, because it probably went, a, well, it obviously must have gone a direction where Gary Russell wasn't pleased with it, so he rewrote that, or, or at least... 
fixed it so that it didn't happen. And, and I kind of had the reverse. I, I felt sympathy for the guy originally because he didn't want to go oh, into yeah. battle, you know, and, and he was trying to save it, his crew. And, 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 and when I say that, it's more of the way he treated his crew. I mean, he was that really gruff captain that you're like, oh, I just don't like this guy. He's too authoritative. But yeah, authoritative. Well, and he was they, doing it for the sake of trying to avoid putting his crew in. You know, yeah. and, and once they get down to the planet, the even deck. it's like, what do we do? We've got to get them out of there because the harpies will feed on them. I mean, he's he's still acting with the best intentions, at least right. at the moment. He, he was that character all the way up to that point. But then all of a sudden, it's oh, he's this attempted rape. So now it's done. Uh, zero sympathy, yep. zero interest. And then the whole feed playful, the, the whole playful nature at the end with him trying to get out of it, and oh, I'll negotiate for this, and it's like I don't care. Yeah, I'll negotiate for that. I don't care. And then, what? What? What is the moral of the story? Because at the end, when the secretary, whatever she is, makes her reveal that right. she actually enjoys being the power behind the power, right. which is the place to be, and then the last line is right this way, Mister Chairman. It's the a, guy's an attempted rapist, yeah. and he gets to run a corporation. Yeah, he what got, kind he of got lesson rewarded is that? For, yeah, terrible, terrible, something terribly. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Oh, for many horrible things. Anger. Well, for that one particular, I could have probably overlooked some of the other stuff that he did, but that was anger. So yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, no. I didn't, I didn't like Me any either. of that. Me now, either. the structural engineering of uh, now was this guy a time lord? The, they the, never really clarified. Well, wait a minute. The, the guy that built the power thing to keep himself in the suspended. Oh, oh, he was a physicist uh, or no, something. I, I, you know, I kind of, I, my mind went that direction as well. I got the impression he was more like a, he had, he had at least elevated his point to more like an eternal or a uh, guardian or a something. Right. Well, that I mean, he, he, he was something big. That he but, wasn't a Time Lord originally. Okay. But he, and he was just some scientist who had kind of crossed that boundary of, um, Man to deity type thing is the, is the impression that I got. I didn't. I thought that I part thought of the story was actually a really cool idea, I'm and I would have liked a lot more of that element of it. And instead, we got all this. That was that was another piece of this. Well, you had this, which was kind of cool. You had this, which was kind of cool. You had this, which was kind of cool. And you tried to put it all in a pot and stir it up, and you came out with weird gumbo instead of you know a casserole. It just it just didn't, <laughs> it just didn't gel. Yeah. And so, you know, when the doctor's dealing with him in the inner space, whatever, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I, I, I would have liked a little bit more of that. But it still doesn't really jive with what's it going just, on. It, with, it seems like a story that structurally they were able to make it fit like a Doctor Who story. But it was just too much. It wasn't written like Yeah, it was just it was written too poorly. And, and, and there were too many elements of it that really just – it. There were too many strikes against it because of oh, things yeah. that happened in it. So, a lot of not good in it. Agreed. And I'm like Chrissy. I never have to go back and listen to this story again. So, and I'm going to give up my second listen. Through. I probably would not <laughs> listen to this one again. Uh, and they mentioned uh, Chrissy, and uh, I think Holly mentioned how they didn't like how Perry was written. Some parts I I liked of her sassiness with the priestess and the stuff in the beginning, but then once it kind of got later on in the story, um, the way she was written didn't feel right. But her sassiness was almost a little too flippant too. 
And yeah, so I, can see that, I, 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 I felt that they that somebody took. It felt like the Perry from the Sixth Doctor, not so much the Perry from the yeah, Fifth it, Doctor. Yeah, it seemed like somebody took the elements of Perry that they knew and exaggerated them. And that yeah. was the way I felt. So I can see that. there were moments where I was going, "Yeah, this is kind of pit- well, no, that's a little too much." Okay, well, this sounds like pit- no, well, well, that's a little too much. Too. Was, I, I, I was, I, if they had backed off was, a little bit, I think they'd have had a good. It was such a dark story. They were trying to bring some humor to it. And well, I think the, so too. The, those yeah. were the moments that they were trying yeah. to do it, and not very well. It, it didn't occur to me that they were kind of out of character until somebody mentioned to them, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I can see that." Yeah. It was kind of. Eh. Shall we move on to Axis of Insanity? Yes, please. <laughs> what is the Axis? For the Doctor and his traveling companions, Perry and Aramim, it's a twisted playground where reality, morality, and sanity no longer apply. Stranded within a dimensional nexus, beset by the molten fury of the fire breed, they must unwrap a terrifying mystery of damaged timelines and dark science before the corruption of the Axis spreads and reality itself crumbles. Pitted against the warped and deadly mind, the Doctor faces his own past transgressions and the very nature of what it is to be a Time Lord. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. I liked it. The, the you're not giving it the last you? done, huh? I can't give it the last done, oh. but it was almost there. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I, I thought, well, especially Annie. <laughs> I mean, you what in hell would have been. Poetry coming off. <laughs> I'd have listened to Space Buffalo again coming off. I, I the oh, it's so strong starting off. The idea of the axis and aborted timelines, and that we've got this whole pocket nothing. Dead, killed up. by this jester. Well, the, just the idea that we've got a whole pocket nothing set up just to handle all the <laughs> crap that comes down the pipeline <laughs> that got screwed up and changed. And I went, oh, wow, that is so cool. Bring it on. And I felt like we jumped past all the stuff that I wanted to hear about and got the crazy tale. The, the, the guy, oh, I've already murdered the boss, and I'm here, and I'm crazy, and I'm, I've leaked out of something and somewhere, and I'm going to commit all... Don't get me wrong. That part was fun. It was yeah. cool. It was enjoyable. But I really wanted that part of the story. I, I don't and, know. I, my, maybe this is along the same lines. The, the, the only thing that the last part of this story falls down for me is I felt like it was dragged out a little too much. Yeah. I can see that. That was it was just there was too much of that. Yeah. And so had they just ended with that side sort of ideal but not tr- dragged it out for an entire another part of it. Well, this and then they dragged it out and long. then resolved it very quickly. Yeah. 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 They, they, We're going to go off and fix this. Yeah. I looked at the and timeline. Then the, credits. The, the timeline's on this one and I thought, "Well, that's kind of a short one." And we got into it and went going and I thought, "This is a three-parter. Yeah. This is going to be one of those random three-part and then they it were, there was a whole other episode to go, and it, it really felt during whole, that third part that we were rearing up to the end. And then it kept going, and we had all the business with the elevator in the basement. And the up well, and there down. was, was, there was like, so much in that building and the running through the, uh, the fun house of them trying to... Yeah. There was a lot of that they could have tr- trimmed back. That's and, the other thing, is I kind of feel like once you do the fun house in uh, Ultimate Foe, with mm-hmm. the Sixth Doctor mm-hmm. and the Valyard. Right. Once you do the uh, Greatest Show in the Galaxy and the Psychedelic Circus, <laughs> I'm kind of done with that. And the Funhouse doesn't really 
translate as well in audio as it does. No, it's it's very much a visual. Actually, I disagree because I think that I I loved the idea of the fun house and I thought it played really well in my head and it, it almost kept everything visually structured in my mind as I listened to this. It again falls down in that last part where I'm very confused as to where things are taking place. And so that structure suddenly was kind of shattered. And we're talking about upstairs and a basement and uh, the this cliff where there's this fire of of, of well, that was a whole lake. Well, it was, but they were well, the same they, planet. It was the same planet, but they were traversing part. between these two locations right. way too easily for me. <laughs> and because we had to use the TARDIS to get there at one point, and then suddenly we were back here. At this, uh, I got, at this I got place in mind that it was a completely different planet in a completely different pocket because the it axis was, is the it hub. Was and wherever, this is one of the, we it went was out wherever one of the spokes, uh, Jared Toe was, was, it was that the planet that Jared Toe was trying to uh, like basically escape this realm of two. Yeah. That, that, got into that the dead hub. end timeline. Yeah. And it was the other guy uh, that was trying to basically. Tog. Tog, Tog. who was trying to fix it who so I that they wouldn't continue to. You know, have this torment that they were having to deal with in this dead end timeline. So I understood that. It's just we kept we kept seeming to seemingly bouncing back and forth to these two locations, and, and a lot of times I was trying to figure out, or at least visualize in my head, what this looked like compared to what this looked like because structurally they were two different. Uh, not play well. They were two different places, but they were even two different looks. You didn't have as much of the the fire and peril as you hear as you did here, and so it was it was just very hard for me to kind of follow and visualize where yeah. everybody was at any time once they separated. At that point, well, and that's one of the things the latter half of the story I don't think does as well is aramem has gone for like most of the third act. Yeah, and then eventually she must gets have been on holiday. paired up. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it felt like. And then eventually gets paired up with Jarrato, and that. Is an interesting dynamic between the two of them, but I like Perry and Aramim together so much that Mm -hmm. having Perry off with uh, Tog, I didn't, as much as I enjoyed Tog, I would rather have seen the two of them together doing whatever. Of course, things would have probably gotten quicker, too. You know who played the Jester? Garrick Hagen. You'll know him better as Biggs Darklighter in the Star Wars. Oh, really? Really? He did a very. He did a really good job. Who played the other very passable Joker? The other half of Jarrett whenever it was a woman. She sounded familiar. Lisa Ross. You probably won't know her, but she's Garrick Hagen's wife. Oh, nice! (laughs) So they got to play opposite of each other as the same person. (laughs) And I thought uh, Peter Davison did a great job when he was playing Jarrett as the Doctor. Yeah, I could totally tell that it wasn't. The doctor. Yeah. They did a really good. He and that was all sounded like with his voice. It wasn't. Well, it sounded like it was digitally modified. Yeah. The gal that played Airman when she was. I mean, I think at one point Jarrett was yeah. utilizing her image as well yeah. and, and her voice. Too. And yeah, so yeah. I mean that that was cool. All the actors did a really good job making sounding not like themselves. Here's the best thing about this story: is the concept of the Time Lords needing a hub. To deal with all of these metal timelines that they have completely fractured to have dead ends because in order to avoid a paradox, you've got this one central hub that basically oversees these timelines that can no longer exist within the continuity of real time. And so to have this 
basically dead letter office where you have to kind of shove your mistakes and have somebody oversee it. What a fantastic concept. Yeah. Because you have to, like, now we don't, we couldn't have that in the new series. In fact, Father's Day is the very obvious one to go to where the doctor says, well, the, the Time Lords would have come in and fixed and this an is event how like this. And it. that might have been what they'd have done. They'd have kind of shoved it off to the hub and fixed the timeline so that this one could continue. But the broken timeline could go off into this, you know, nether sphere, sphere essentially, that, that doesn't, you know... The ramifications is the fact that you've got this Pandora's box that, that you you've that's got what locked I in the spokes. <laughs> yeah, that was what I was so excited about. Oh, I was like, I want wonderful. more of that. Wonderful. That is so cool. And instead, I got the Madman in the box. Story. Well, like, but, uh, but 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 I like that wasn't. I like the idea of he was going to use one of these fractured timelines, and or he she it was going <laughs> to use one of these fractured timelines in order to escape from this what. Essentially, for him, was he, a prison. And normally, it, what I got the impression is everybody else couldn't tell that there was something wrong, and he was able to see beyond the timeline and realize that it's an endless loop. Which is and unfortunate so that, because that, is, that, that adds to the. Well, it's unfortunate because you can also then fault the Time Lords well, for putting him in a situation, he, she, it, in a situation <laughs> where they would. Uh, be empowered to ha- be able to do something like yeah. this. I liked that concept as well. So that, I, that, that's why Madman in a Box story ha- works for me in this situation. It still works. Don't get me it's, wrong. Like it's I said, the fire-breathing dragons that they could have done away with to do with more of the acts. I, I, well, I, I even was fine with the fire-breathing dragons. Yeah. Just let's just they need to be there as a threat and not be there as a constant that we're dragging this last part yeah. of the story out. It, it, it's. I, I, I understand that it's a problem. You don't have to beat me over the head with it. I just wish instead of being dropped into the end of the story and then feeling like the end ran for four more parts. Sure, sure. I see what you're if saying, If the doctor too. had landed and, well, don't you think you should go take care of it? All right, I'll go meet up with the caretaker. And he goes and talks to the guy, or the overseer. And, you know, we get a little bit of the explanation of how the, and you know, Caretaker's doing his thing, and the doctor's being a little condescending and a little, uh, it's not as great as you're making it out to be. These are mistakes. I mean, come on, let's, let's call it this. This is the one. I like how the doctor that was we've always swept very, well, it's not under. necessarily my mistake. Yeah. And, and that would have been a great moment yeah. to have that confrontation between the two where it's like you realize how many of these you're responsible for. Let's not talk about that yeah. show. You know? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was so geared up for that moment. And then all hell breaks loose and this thing gets into the thing and they're running from it and it starts changing things and they get separated and it kills. Okay. That would have been structurally better. I, I, agree, I was I was so I don't on know, but, board with that but, and then it had already all happened. That, and I was like, on the oh, flip well, side okay, of that, where are we going? On the flip side of that, Sean, though, I like the idea of the jester being there ahead of time and the mystery of where's the overseer? Why yeah. why has this chaos ensued? Why is this that gives this him- I don't remember this looking like this when I was here before. So I liked that setting it up. Yeah, like I said, Again, though I we still- go down that time, that path of now we've gotten to a point where it's like we've gotten uninteresting and, and we feel like we're having to stretch this out well, to make it just, a yeah. structurally it's make- either going to be the uh, lunatic taking over the asylum story. Or base under siege story. Yeah, I, that and maybe it's I just both. <laughs> may, maybe I just gravitate more to the base under siege. Yeah. That that's See, kind of what I, I like. Was, lunatic taking over the silent because base under siege is kind of done, overdone. Yeah, so. but I, I just well, especially in Doctor Who. 
don't know. I, 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 I just, I just kind of wish that they had given me a little bit more of this first part before we jumped into the second part, and then not so much of the well, ending. And I think, that was, I that felt would have like been they, the perfect balance for me. I felt with the conversation of the dialogue, they were, tr- they were giving you enough of that in the setup to where we were going or what was this was about or what this was. I, I felt like I got enough from that, that that yeah. didn't bother me so much. So, well, Sean, possibly you might get more of your story because one of the Gallifreys. Lines. Yeah, the X is featured again. Oh, yeah. is it really in the Gallifrey, yeah. oh, Gallifrey series four? So. Oh, I got to get through three. Yeah. Four you whole, got three of them. So three whole seasons, and then some of four. Luckily, it's the first of the four seasons. Oh well, the three whole seasons before I get there. I don't know. Oh, I just, I just thought it was such. Did a we great know that uh, Garrick Haddon was in the Mutants too? The Doctor Who TV story, The Mutants. Who did you play there? Well, we knew Lobot was, but we did. Uh, he played Kai. No, that's not right. Kai was um, what's his name? Who was Garrett Cadden? <laughs> Big Starklighter. The, Kai, the guy that played Kai, though, wasn't that... Um, no. Yeah. The guy that played Kai was uh, Lobot. Uh, Richard... Lasseter? No, Richard... Hold on. I'm looking... Keith will end with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm confused now, uh, Richard Denick. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize there were checkboxes down there for me to check off what version I had, the CD or the MP3. Oh, sweet. Huh. Uh, he played Kai. Gary Cadden did? Yeah. Oh, we didn't realize that, I guess, at the time. Or if we did, we I have forgotten. I think we knew that. Okay. Maybe we knew that. Because we were but, and I'm not crazy Lobot's in that too, right? Oh, sure a mustache. Enough. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, we knew that was big. So All right. Because right. wasn't Mutants the one that we marveled at how many sci-fi legends were that in that? That was the, where'd he go? Where'd he go, <laughs> Pop-Up? Where'd he yeah. go, Pop-Up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, this should be said... Uh, for Sean's benefit here, he was um, Simon Lucy. Furman, who wrote this story, um, is a comic book writer who is perhaps best known for his work on Transformers comics for the likes of Marvel, Dreamwave, and IDW. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Paramount is trying to push is Age of Extinction? Yes. yes yeah, it is. They have submitted Age of Extinction as a best picture contender. Like, I'm, I'm sure what? they. I'm sure they submit every single movie. Yeah, they do. That's what they do. I don't care. At some point, <laughs> someone in the office has got to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> or they went. Uh, let's see how far I can get. Can oh, and, and, Sharknado and, Two, the second. Uh, Simon I would Furman, buy that. Simon Furman also worked at Marvel and worked on the Doctor Who comic strip when it was oh. DWM. Yeah, in the DWM story. Well, that explains it because I, the, the whole time with the the the, the Joker <laughs> being very Jokerish, it, yeah. it felt kind of like a comic book, and I was fine with that. I was. Like, I really this, enjoyed that part. This is really kind of a cool dynamic because it's not something we tend to get in Doctor Who, you know, very often. Is the character. although why the Doctor put up with it as long as he did when he's getting the tour of what is obviously somebody who is so off his rocker <laughs> that it's like. Really? <laughs> Why haven't you clubbed him over the head with your cricket ball yet? Because he's going to kill you. I mean, uh, that's not the fifth doctor. I, I commented to Mel. It was, we were listening to this. like, stay here. Okay. Should we go outside? Yeah, let's go have a look. And I looked at Mel. I was like, okay, either I'm the worst companion ever or the best. Because the doctor says stay in the TARDIS. I'm like, okay. 
I'm not going out there. Yeah. There's no way I don't. Although, don't let anybody in. We got to help this guy. I like the idea. <laughs> Sorry, well, dude, you're on fire. The, yeah, you got to help this guy thing that bothered me a little bit. But I do like the idea that Perry and, and Airman's hearts were in the right place where they were concerned. Well, and they both, then after they, and they found kind that of out, argued about yeah whether we should go. Yeah. yeah, and so like their, their hearts were in the right and place. And I like the I, I, I did like the fact that the moral dilemma came out. With what wound up being a good decision, as opposed to you let the monster into the target, which yeah. is really where I thought they were going to go with it. Agreed. So I was very happy that that you know I would have been wrong. I'd have let the poor guy burn to death. And you know. <laughs> did anybody see the key coming? That the 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 uh, was it Airman that we remember the, that the, the, the Time Lord would have had a key for the TARDIS, and that's why the uh, that's why t- uh, Tara Joe could not find it because it was disguised because of the chameleon arch that on that particular working TARDIS and that that Tara Joe had not found the key because the key was telegraphed at the beginning when the doctor says mm-hmm. that or was it was it Perry that said that they, they have they have to take the key or whatever. Well yeah. and wasn't it, it, it this is a great growing story for Aramid, not it only was, in the yeah. reading but learning about how things work yeah. in the TARDIS. So it was it, for them that aspect it was a really I liked good that, story. It, to me it felt like was it, we carried that key over from the marketplace scene in the previous adventure when they're all running and he's like oh the cops are coming we gotta get the TARDIS and right, go. Right. Where's the key at? Uh, and Perry's like oh fine here and she pulls hers right, out and, right, and lets him right. in. It was like oh we're doing the key thing again. Yeah. Okay cool. You know, I wonder yeah. if that's going to come back in the story. And it did. Yeah. But um, The uh, oh just went right out of my head what I was going to say. Sorry. The oh, onk. Okay. We were talking about the onk and the other time where it started us. And... No, I think it had something to do with Araman's growth. Oh, I know what I was going to say. This is, it doesn't, but I like how the doctor <laughs> pointed to the quick removal switch instead of the fast return switch. <laughs> yeah. If you got to get out of here, you click this one and this one, and that will basically move the TARDIS to another point, which I love, which a lot of companions probably should have known about this switch or this combination of switches. But I really was a little let down that they did not, especially after getting the radiation gloves <laughs> reference in <laughs> flip-flop. I had hoped we'd get the fast return switch. Just click this, and it'll be all right. But then in my head, I kept justifying it as, well, he doesn't want it to get stuck again. So he's going to get them to other switches <laughs> that will slightly move the TARDIS as opposed to sending it back where it came from. Well, or this last, well you know, we've had the fast return switch working in the Eighth Doctor story. Oh, we did. Charlie. That's yeah, right. We, we did have. Yeah, you're right. I forgot we did. I, 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 didn't, I initially thought it was going to be the faster turn switch, but then I realized, wait, that was well, but with the eighth the doctor, doctor there. With the yeah. eighth doctor, there was enough time for him to have fixed the switch. Well, I, I think the, the first fifth doctor, doctor was still it. a little too close to... <laughs> you know, that, that broke the on us one The eighth doctor has fully renovated the fifth doctor has, uh, the, isn't quite sure. the console room. The, the, first, so. the first doctor fixed it right after the event. He says, look, it's this little spring. It went bad. Yeah. <laughs> he put a new spring in In my it. mind, I was justifying the fact that the fifth doctor was also thinking, you know, that spring could pop out again. <laughs> it's been long enough. I mean, Maybe it's gone yeah. bad. Well, of course, you know what happened is the, 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 the first doctor, he, when he found out the spring went bad, he then landed on a planet that was completely unexplored and had some hostile alien on it. And he had to go into the city to find a new spring. <laughs> Instead, just, of, instead of a Mercury switch? Instead of a Mercury switch. And, and, and then deciding that, no, this is a bad idea, I'm going to run away. <laughs> but the spring was still broke, so he couldn't use it. Uh, Eventually, we landed at Walmart and bought a spring. <laughs> um, well, I'd like to think that you know the fifth doctor had a... No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He had a new console, Tardis console, by this time. You would hope that a new spring would have come with that yeah. as well. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> Speaking of TARDISes, 
tart of seeds. Oh, that seed. was that was awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so cool because we've always done Such that. A great we've always fan played moments. that little fast and loose with. Is it tartises or is it tartises or is it tarti? <laughs> the fact that they recognized it. Yeah, that was good. Nice the, job on that. The whole ending. Anybody else get a little? This is this elephant graveyard for Tardises, and that's kind oh, of where they go. And my, yes, but in the other sense that knowing that the eleventh Doctors didn't go there, that because yes. but who would take it there? Exactly, the there was no one to retrieve it and take it to this yeah. last of the time. Yeah, it's going to be so. going to be stuck. So I, I, I thought of that, and then I thought, but his is ends up on Trenzalore, but it makes sense, but. It makes sense that that was a lot more dreaded for him because of the fact that he he knew it wasn't going to go to this place where all the other Tardises is. He was oh, going to yeah. end up somewhere and and not be you know basically um, the relevance of that going to where all the uh, other Tardises are go to die essentially. Yeah. Although the Eleventh Doctor does say that you know it's my tombstone. Time Lords are buried with their Tardises. <laughs> he does say that in the name of the Doctor. But. Maybe. Well, maybe they took maybe his they body are. and buried him with the Tardis. Yeah, maybe. We don't know what happened to him after the closet. I'm of two minds on that. There's a part of me that really loves the sentiment and the the, 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 the notion of that. The idea is really cool. There's another part of me that's like, that is so impractical. <laughs> because we've kind of established on multiple occasions that time uh, Tardis is not necessarily a one-man operation. That's why there's six sides to the console, and that you should, in order for a perfect fight, you really ought to have well, yeah. a bigger crew. And so the idea of a TARDIS being linked to a Time Lord is like. Uh, but they mentioned that several well, times, even in the series proper. Yeah, so, I mean, so it's kind of one of those. Every ship yeah. has to have a captain. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's we're just, not saying that it's. You know, uh, five other Time Lords that stand around are supposed to pilot that so ship. Supposed to have maybe five you're supposed to have a crew. And maybe that's maybe that also lends to the reason. Maybe that's the other lends the other reason as to why the Doctor has companions because he doesn't have five other Gallifreyans. You don't have one Time Lord and five other Gallifreyans piloting the ship like you might with other Tardises, Tardises, Tardisai. Tardis, yeah. <laughs> so I, I went back and forth on that, but I, I decided I liked the, the the beauty of the moment more than I was going to wear. The other part of it yeah. is the, the just the Tardises are grown. Not constructed, but I still think of them as machines, and it would seem to me that there, there ought to be we, a faster turn switch. That, that tardises are grown, but that's not the exact wordage. No, but that, and so I think what we as fans, and not just us, but fandom has done, has gone to this whole idea that a tardis is entirely organic, and it's not. It's not. No, I it's, think it's a combination. It, it's a combination of the two, and you and there's there's been no definitive description of how those two meld. But he, the, a TARDIS isn't necessarily well, grown. And I get the impression but that... But it, it is a symbiotic it, it's, entity. So. And a lot of it has to do with that weird tree thingy we saw in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. With yeah. The, 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 that, the, that, to me, brought a lot of that... Yeah. It, that's kind structurized. of... Structurized. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of the slightly organic aspect of it. Right. Where the rest is built around it. Right. And it's probably got some Avatar-like neural pathways in the... Sure. In, in the tree fibers yeah. that, you know... Suddenly connect to the fiber optics of the ship, and you know, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm totally, I'm totally. So a TARDIS is both constructed and grown. Yeah, exactly. But constructed the, around and grown. The thing. The problem that I had with it is, shouldn't there be a fast return switch that when the operator dies, the TARDIS automatically flies back to Gallifrey and finds a berth and. 
is... Yeah, it goes to this graveyard. <laughs> but they had to take it there. So it yeah, doesn't, but, it doesn't, you know, it, the, I got the, also got the impression that TARDIS they, does, didn't really realize that the Time Lord had I think died the, because it I, hadn't I, officially I lost its connection. It so. Because the axis yeah. is kind of out of time and an anomaly, and so therefore things didn't quite work as they should. Yeah, well, I just, the, the, like I said, the idea of the TARDIS graveyard is such a beautiful idea that I'm fine with it. But there's a part of me that's going, that is so wasteful. Because I've kind of always run under the opinion that there's a giant TARDIS hangar bay somewhere. And they kind of treat these things like cabs. Sure. I'm going to jump in a TARDIS <laughs> and go over here to Planet X well, and fix whatever problem. We already, know steal from, so easily. we already know exactly. from Omega that they really don't. In fact, one TARDIS disguised itself as another being. Remember the two ladies? The two old ladies that were on the uh, pleasure ship? And the one was actually oh, yeah, her TARDIS. Right. She was a Time Lady, and the other was her TARDIS. I don't remember that. Yeah, they were there. It was, they uh, were uh, Omega, right? Omega, yeah. Audio, yeah. yeah. I don't even remember that. That's why she never talked, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, I just th- th- like I said, there's a part of me that thinks, like, okay, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to solve this problem on Planet X, I'm going to put the timeline into the axis, and then bring the TARDIS <laughs> back. And, you know, next week I go down and, oh, there's my TARDIS is not available, I'll use this TARDIS. That they're just, it's just yeah. a TARDIS. But the Doctor, being the renegade, stole one and ran off with it. So now it's his TARDIS, yeah. you know. And the same with the, the Master and the Ronnie and... The, the meddling monk that you know they've had ownership long enough that they might sort of been there it's it's theirs but if you were on Gallifrey like you know President Romana does not have her own personal TARDIS even though I'm sure the presidential office does so yeah but you, you know what I mean got it's the just, impression that it's more like X wings where you're assigned one <laughs> <laughs> where you're assigned a TARDIS once you become a, that level and you get you yeah, pass like Luke's X wing just became his. Surely it wasn't anybody's X-wing before that, but then once he became, you're assigned a certain a certain fighter's okay, jersey, jersey, and then they yeah. retire that jersey. But but if the pilot dies, there's Usually. a perfect, perfectly good X-wing still sitting here because yeah, he died yeah. off on some mission. Oh. We're just going to give that to the next guy who I, had the, yeah, who had Luke's it, X-wing before it's, Luke. It's the symbiotic <laughs> relationship that they've also established in the universe of, that of the longer Doctor you who, travel that, with yeah. the TARDIS, the more symbiotic it gets, and that's and the part why because the TARDIS, the, you know, the Doctor, and that's why they have to go to the graveyard. Okay, so this guy's had it a long time. That'll fix that for me. Thank you. It's not that that was a problem at all. It really wasn't because I thought this was a beautiful. There's a number of years you have to have. TARDIS before your TARDIS is re- your jersey is retired. Yeah, <laughs> the operator's license and right. I liked the doctor's bit too about the we're way past our uh, thousand year checkup or whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it. And that was a good. It's, bit like, too. it's nice little moments like that that I like when they do that. So much right with this one. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. And so much. But not. you're it's right. Good, I mean, scherzo or. Uh, the Wormery or any any of the the divergent stories would have been masterpieces after I followed up Necromantia. It's a good pairing, these two. <laughs> I'm glad that we. It's better to start with Necromantia <laughs> than end with it. I'm, I'm better that I'm glad that we have these uh, these that happen these times as opposed to getting oh we got Necromantia and Space Buffalo this week. And cause, right. especially being fifth Doctor stories, because I still feel bad that we've been on such a 
at least me, I've been on such a downturn with the Fifth Doctor stuff oh, that it's yeah. been... Wasn't Space Buffalo Sixth Doctor? Yeah, yeah well, it was, but I'm, I'm just okay. in general. Type in general. His audios in He's general talking turkey and have turkey. not been as <laughs> yeah. up to snuff. Well, we're finally, though, I, we're I, I think we're finally stories. getting to better stories. Yeah, and that's absolutely. Been, that's been a refreshing... Yeah, I mean, you remember yeah. when we started with these and we had the, 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 the Land we of the Adept. Winter of the Adept. Winter of the Adept. Oh, let's do a ghost story. My goodness. But we threw spare parts in there eventually. Yeah. We're getting to really probably good his best stuff. fifth Doctor story. Yeah. But that's what I mean. I just there've been so so, so many of them that I felt like uh, it's kind of nice to have the change up. Where it's yeah. like this one sucked, but this one was really yeah. good. Two ends <laughs> of the spectrum on this one. Yes. What do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up on the schedule, Friday Night Who this week, parts one through three of Frontier in Space, and I will actually be there. <laughs> I'm so excited with bells on. With bells. I'm going, I'm going to, to take wear pictures bells. of the bells. I'm going to wear bells. <laughs> I'm going to Instagram the bells. You should Instagram the bells. Um, and then uh, for our show next week, we're going to be touching base. We're going to kind of go through some of the. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> you, you brought out a kit. Like, what is this? <laughs> this He's got a whole little tackle box of stuff here. What is this? Oh, now I understand. Uh, so we're going to be tackling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you do. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of the, the uh, TCG cases. And that's guys, what I thought maybe it was. Are we play like, what, are, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing, boss? Oh, nothing exciting. <laughs> so we're going to touch base with the Titan Comics lines. We're going to go through the 10th and 11th Doctor Story arcs, which, if we're not mistaken, we think they're up to they're five. Ep- ep- uh, issue 5 now. So we'll kind of recap from where we left off and, and run up through, uh, through episode f- or issue 5. Uh, and then you've got one more audio to listen to. Paul McGann, Charlie Pollard, Big Finish, 103, The Girl Who Never Was. Finally. I know Glenn was going to say it. Finally. <laughs> Finally. And then uh, we got Frontier in Space, parts four through six the following week. Four ebooks on the podcast in episode number 208. We're going to do Beast of Babylon, Mystery of the Haunted Cottage, Nothing O'Clock, and Lights Out. So all four of those ebooks uh, for that week. And then the last Friday night, who of December, December 26th, the day after Christmas, is the David Tennant Christmas special, The Next Doctor. And then we will be giving our thoughts on Last Christmas. Not Last Christmas, but the episode. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. I think I know what the song for that episode will be. Every week we're going to get last Christmas. Every week, as long as we, as long as we, we just got to stop bringing it up. Yeah, um, I don't have. Problem. Well, this year to save me from tears, I'm give it to someone special. <laughs> and then um, we're finalizing uh, our plans for for next year, 2015. Lots of fun stuff on the uh, yes. horizon. Yes. So um, before we leave this week, we do want to uh, make a. Big thank you out to uh, Time Lord Ben. Um, you can actually contact him at Time Lord Ben on Twitter, and uh, he submitted correspondent Time Lord Ben. Course, that was my traveling promise. the vortex. Traveling the vortex. Correspondent. correspondent Time Lord Ben. Official title has sent in a uh, review of this last not last week's two weeks ago's. No, it was last. It was last, last week. Thanksgiving week, weekend. Yeah. Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Chicago feels Tardis. Like it's been two weeks yeah. since Thanksgiving in, in Chicago. So he he submitted some audio for us. And uh, before we leave you, let's give that a listen. Hello, Vortex Boys. Time Lord Ben here. You asked for it, and you got it. 
This is my take on Chicago TARDIS 2014. My son and I had reserved memberships for the entire weekend, which entitled us to a reception on Thanksgiving night. Uh, we weren't sure what to expect, as we've never done that before, and it turned out to be one of the absolute highlights of the weekend. Uh, it was at 8 o'clock Thursday night, and we walked into a room not knowing anybody, uh, went to a table, and made some nice friends along the way. Um, at one point, I got up to get a drink, and Nicholas Briggs was there. And after a short conversation, uh, he decided to join our table and sit next to me at the table where we had one open seat. And he sat there and chatted about various topics for a good 20 minutes. Um, this absolutely made my weekend. Uh, as a Big Finish fan, um, I must admit I fangirled quite a lot. Um which I did not contain, and he ate up every moment of it. Uh, super nice guy. Could not tell you enough about just how great this guy is and how accommodating he was. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, other people that showed up were uh, Noel Clark. Stopped by the table. Um, really nice guy. Uh, really one of the best people. Um, you know, he's one of those, he just doesn't judge anybody, he takes it for what it is, and I, I really liked that, it came across as being very genuine, um, and I liked that, so he was, he was a highlight of that night as well, uh, Camille Kadori was there, um, very nice lady, bit sassy, but we all knew that, didn't we? Um, I saw a lot of Jackie Tyler, uh, in just her everyday mannerisms, um, I think she put a lot of herself into that character, and it was great. Um, she was super nice. She uh, hated my favorite jelly baby, but she loved my least favorite jelly baby, and therefore she took them off my hands for me and ate them, uh, which I thought was great. Um, Deborah Watling was there. Fraser Hines was there. Uh, Fraser apparently likes to drink just a little bit, as was evidenced when he stopped by our table. Um, and that was... In a nutshell, the reception. Um, the only person not there was Billy Piper. And I think that was because she probably wasn't at the hotel yet where the convention was happening. Um, she was originally set to appear Saturday, Sunday. But because of Penny Dreadful um, filming, she was moved to Friday, Saturday. That way she could still attend and, and everybody would have a chance to see her. Um... But everybody else was, was there, uh, to the best of my knowledge, and um, most, if not all of them, stopped by our table and uh, made themselves available. Uh, you know, if you saw them around, you had something you wanted to say, you just, you kind of walked up and you did your thing. You know, you, you asked them your question, you told them how great you thought they were. Um, they were all really accommodating. Um, so then now we're, we're on to Friday. Um, uh, we did a big finish panel. Uh, Jason Hay Gallery and Nick Briggs are two of the funniest guys up on stage. Um, they had a whole Laurel and Hardy thing going. Um, I will say by Sunday, um, they were somebody had mentioned Paul Sprague, um, and uh, it was really touching 
um, because Nick started to talk about him. And he, he had to, it was basically, it was at the end of the panel. It was their time to get up anyway. And it was, it was good timing because uh, he seriously broke down up on stage. It was very, very touching um, to see that uh, he just loved that guy so much that it was even tough to talk about it now. Um, but anyway, back to Friday. Um, this was one of the times I was ecstatic and disappointed. Um, because we did the Billy Piper, Noel Clark, and Camille Kadori, uh, photograph. The only time all weekend they were going to do it, and as Noel had pointed out at the reception, it's the only time that they've been together in one room, uh, since the show. Um, now I'm talking about the convention in general, um, but they hadn't been together since the show so this was the chance to get that picture and it was the only time they offered that opportunity it however came at the expense of all teeth and curls 40 years of the fourth doctor i was absolutely devastated this is my guy this is my doctor and i was so excited to see that panel but i had to give it up because that photo was a once in a lifetime thing um, we did a couple other panels that day. We did one which was a, uh, we dislike Clara and this is why panel. Uh, it was light. It was fun. We all got it out of our systems. Um, later on we went to all the world's a superhero base and it was an hour of what is coming out, what has been out and what we enjoy in the world of Marvel and DC viewing in movies and in television. Now later on that night, um, after a couple hour break, we went and did the Dominic Glenn in concert, which was about 45 solid minutes of his music up on stage, um, which was cool. It was different. Um, I personally had a great experience with it. It was uh, I liked it quite a lot. Um, they had an artist actually doing these kind of Picasso-looking photos, or not photos, but paintings. Actually, painting it while he was up on stage. Um, it was it was really cool. Um, side note: check out ChicagoTardis.com. Look for their photo gallery. Um, they did a lot of pictures. Uh, and they're all amazing. Um, so go check that out. Um, now Saturday, we did a Camille Kadori uh, panel, which was a lot of fun. She's a lot of fun to listen to. She's a hoot. Um, one of my favorites was History of a Mechanical Mutt with Matt Irvine. Um, stories, old photos, um, how canine came into existence. Um, it, you know, we learned that there were only two one that worked and one that was hollow and the hollow one was basically the stunt double so you see canine going into the ocean and he's done that's the that's the hollow one um it was it was really cool um it turns out uh they were told to build this thing and they just sort of threw him together there really wasn't a whole lot of plan to doing it there was no working out the design or anything they just went and built him on the fly uh i thought that was kind of a neat uh, a neat panel it was one of my highlights actually um 
Noel Clark interview. Uh, the guy is is funny. He's genuine. Um, if you ever get a chance to meet this guy, do it. Um, he is well worth spending as much time as you can get with. Um, we went next to another big finish panel because you can never get enough Nicholas Briggs and Jason Hagelery and their Laurel and Hardy ness. Um, uh, there was a lot of talk of it's a big world out there, which was his catchphrase for the weekend. Uh, they also had a running gag with squirrels and blenders. Um, you kind of had to be there for that one. Um, Billy Piper's interview was awesome. Um, had one of the highlights of the weekend in which a teenage girl wearing a Weeping Angel outfit asked this question. Billy Piper... Of anyone on the show, who would you ship? Now, what makes this funny is the absolute look of bewilderment on Billy Piper's face. As she could not form a word at that moment because she had no clue of what the concept of shipping was. So she looked at the moderator and said, what's shipping? Uh, this absolutely brought the house down. Um, it was deafening, the roar of laughter that ensued. Um, definite highlight of the weekend. Uh, lots and lots of fun in that, that interview. Uh, so that was Saturday. Um, Sunday, uh, more and more and more panels. Um, another big finish. Uh, we attended Verity Live, uh, which was a live taping, or I guess not live taping, but it was us in the room while they were taping their show, uh, which I thought was cool. Uh, and even more cool was that rather than sit there and talk randomly about things, they had everybody write down who wanted to, um, a topic and put it in a hat and they randomly chose topics to talk about on their show and to my surprise my 12 year old son who is a fan of the new series but not the classic despite my best efforts put in a topic uh, as did I and uh, both topics were chosen so uh, if you listen to Verity Live which is supposed to be out this week um, you will hear them discuss our anonymous topics on the show. Uh, so we were both pretty stoked about that. Um, then there was the year of nine, which was Annette Badland, who is was Margaret Slavine, Camille Kadori as, of course, Jackie Tyler, and Noel Clark as the Tin Dog. I'm sorry, as Mickey. Um... And they were funny. Um, they had the next highlight of the uh, convention, which was Noel Clark's impression of John Barrowman on set. I'm not sure how this happened because it sort of just came up out of nowhere. And it turns out that John Barrowman is not shy with his junk. 
I'll just leave it at that for the kitties that may be listening. But he liked to display it on set. And apparently it was okay uh, because nobody related that they ever had an issue with it. Uh, it was actually quite funny. Apparently it was a, it was a huge running gag on the show, uh, behind set of course. Um, and I've not seen anyone turn as red as Camille Kadori did when apparently John Berriman focused on her uh, with his stuff. Um, you kind of had to be there to see the visual. It was, it was a visual gag involving Noel Clark and a microphone as stuff. Um, uh, there was a lot of thumping of the microphone. Again, it was visual, uh, but it was absolutely hysterical. Um, I could see John Barrowman doing this, um, and it was tremendously funny to see Noel Clark do it. Um, I cannot say enough about any of the guests. They were all amazing. Um, Camille was very gracious when we got to see her in the reception. She's very nice to my son, which was a huge plus. Nobody, absolutely nobody, came across with a huge head, with a big ego. Nobody had this, I'm on this show that everyone absolutely adores, therefore worship me as a god. Um, nobody did that. Uh, Billy Piper, I only got to see for a brief moment when we did the photo, but she was so nice. Really, it's hard to understate or overstate just how much uh, that was the case. Um, Noel Clark, you know, if it's possible for a guy of that magnitude, as it were, to be humble, to be down to earth, you know, he lived up to it. Um, just listening to him talk, he is the guy um, that you'd want to hang out with. And as a side note, um, I thought this was really cool. A, a question that was pointed to him in that panel, uh, or not a, a question, but a challenge. Uh, there was a younger boy, um, probably about my son's age, probably about 12 or 13 or so. And he said to Noel, I hear you're a big Mario Kart player. Uh, to which Noel replied, you bet I am. And he, uh, this boy proceeded to challenge him. And Noel's response, uh, I thought was kind of fun. He said uh, when he gets home, he is going to put his Wii U ID up on social media for everyone to see. And anybody and everybody that wants to challenge him to a game, he will do his best to accommodate. Uh, he is a huge gamer apparently, or at least a huge Mario Kart player. Uh, so that was fun. Um, and then that, that's just kind of one of those things. They, they really listened. They were, you know, thank you very much for your question. We really appreciate your question. Um, everybody, um, was, was thrilled to be a part of this. Um, so it's hard, it, it's hard to say, uh, just, it, it's hard to quantify just how awesome uh, this weekend was. Uh, we've been to Chicago TARDIS before once a couple of years ago. We went for one day and it was kind of hectic because we did photographs, we did autographs, we did it all in one day and really it's kind of hard to do that. You miss so much when you're waiting in those lines. Um, and in this time we had 
we had time. We could we could blow off a panel if we wanted to go shopping. You know, we could catch basically everything we wanted to see, minus uh, in my case the the Tom Baker panel. Um, so it was all in all just a huge huge amount of fun. Uh, so in closing, what I will say is, um, and I wanted to mention this before I forgot, they did have a thing uh, called Camp Time Lord Badge Making, or it was Camp Time Lord. We only ever went in the morning, which was the badge making ser uh, session, and basically it was um, uh, it was kind of like a day camp for kids. I mean, you didn't go drop your kids off and leave them in there. Um, you you know, you didn't have to do anything with them, but I chose to participate. Um, we made badges. We made buttons. Um, you basically colored stuff in, and they either laminated it or they pressed it into a button. And and um, it was kind of a nice time for my son and I, something we could do together. Um, uh, so that was fun. But, but yeah, in closing, um, awesome weekend. Check out uh, ChicagoTardis.com. Uh, listen. Uh, for uh, Verity Live uh, as it was filmed from Chicago TARDIS this week. One of the other things that was a, a highlight for my son and I was the fact that various people, both cosplayers, vendors, uh, and even guests, had what they call stackable ribbons um, that you could place on your lanyard badge um, and collect for fun. Uh, kind of uh, became kind of a competition between my son and I. Uh, who we ended up tied. Uh, I believe we had 17 ribbons. Um, there are pictures on my Twitter feed at Time Lord Ben. Uh, in fact, you can see the uh, the final version is there as well. Um, they were a lot of fun. It uh, we didn't even get half of them. There were people that had um, 30 or more. Of these ribbons I'm not even sure what all of them were uh, but it wound up being fun it, uh, free times it was kind of a scavenger hunt who's got a ribbon what which ones would you find just uh, yeah it was it was a lot of fun and I recommend it to everybody who can ever make it it's not a huge con um, it's I think it's roughly the size of Gallifrey one although I've never been to that one I've heard in terms of numbers that's about where it stands. Um, so it's not a huge con. It's it's an intimate con. Um, I can't tell you how many times I would run into a guest in the hallway just walking around. I mean, they weren't being chaperoned around. They weren't um, completely off limits. If you saw somebody in the hallway and they wanted to stop to talk to you, hey. You know, I ran into Annette Badland I don't know how many times over the weekend. And we had several conversations. And she is a super nice woman. Um, uh, Nicholas Briggs, again, another one. You, you see him, he was more than happy to chit-chat with you. So, awesome con, awesome time, uh, awesome weekend. Go check it out. Go to the website. Look at the pictures. Um, cosplayers were awesome. There was a Sutek. There was a Leela. There was a Lego Matt Smith doctor cosplayer. There were some really epic... Uh, things that happened this weekend. So, anyway, for my experience at Chicago TARDIS 2014, I am Time Lord Ben. You can find me where you can find me. Talk to you later, guys. Take care.
All right. Well, thank you very much, Ben, for that report. It sounds like you and your son had a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounded like uh, a blast. A lot of, lot of funny moments, too, especially the, the Noel Clark talking about uh, uh, John Barrowman, just relating that story. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, did you happen to see the legacy bit about that, too? I did not. Uh, somebody apparently in that panel also asked, um, you know, that, that they, were, they commented that the reason we don't have Mickey in Doctor Who Legacy is he hasn't given his permission for his likeness to be used. And he said, no, I've cleared that a long time ago. And they said, well, Legacy's saying that they don't have it. He pulled out his <laughs> phone and texted or emailed the people at Doctor Who Legacy or tweeted them or something and said, yes, I give my permission for this. To-. So he's on board with oh, it. Good. It's like, sweet. Well, so, good. And I just I just thought that was so funny that somebody brought it up and he was on it. Just like, yeah, oh, I'm going to get this taken That's care cool. of. So That's cool. Noel Clark kind of was like, not that he wasn't, but he <laughs> it, was here and now he's up here. It, yeah, sounds, it, like, like, it sounds like from the, from the Ben saying is that Noel Clark's really – was kind of a highlight for this uh, this uh, Chicago TARDIS, and I, I, I'm I'm pleased to hear that Chicago Chicago TARDIS is one of those places that uh, to me is almost on equal footing with Gallifrey as far oh, as yeah. kind of a pinnacle place to go because it is closer for us sometimes. And I think I'm going to try to get up there. Maybe not next year because our con schedule is getting so <laughs> loaded the next year. I'm going to try to get up there in the next two years. But um, is, speaking of Noel Clark, I thought it was funny that Noel Clark gave out his <laughs> his uh, Wii U gamer tag because he he claims to be really you know good at Mario Kart. So he's <laughs> he's gone home and he's he's challenging anybody that wants to take him on in Mario Kart to to do. He so, seems so. like such a good guy and down to earth. And way more than like Mickey comes across on screen. <laughs> agree. I, I would agree. It's, it seems like a night and day character, and it seems like if you get a chance to and see he's Noel a Clark at a for the show, yeah. he's like well, a wonderful very ambassador yeah, for the absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yes, thank you again. Uh, and he ben was one for, of the good parts of Inner Darkness. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, another Star Trek. Another Star Trek. Guy. Another Star Trek. Well, I'm bridging, bridging that the, gap you, between like, these like two. Like you brought it back around. <laughs> uh, but thanks again, Ben, for doing that for us, and that'll be in the. I'm glad. Show. I'm glad to hear that the ribbons are also uh, uh, yeah. taking off at uh, yeah. Chicago because that hopefully means that we'll start seeing them here in the Midwest and at. Kind of makes me, you know, I, mean, I was thinking, well, that should just be a Gallifrey thing. I think I mentioned that a little long. Now, the more that it's spreading, it almost makes me feel it like should we Doctor should Who do Ribbons thing. for Time Eddie and get yes. it started there yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Hopefully they're doing it at Well, and I think enough people at Time Eddie will have, at least there'll be a, a handful of people that will recognize what they are, being this is just a Doctor Who convention that maybe we'll get some people from other, you know, that have gone to other conventions and recognize the ribbons and get that kicked off so that by year two that's already a kind of a big thing so speaking of galley is coming up and uh, i need some ideas so if any of our listeners have that moment of that best represents the year in review for traveling the vortex <laughs> that you just feel man that's got to be on the ribbon for this year send me an email let me know. <laughs> all right anything else before we sign out I don't think so. All right. Nope. Well, if that's going to do it for this week, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. They're coming to take me away. Ha ha. They're coming to take me away. Ho ho. Hee hee. Ha ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. You know you laughed, I heard you laugh. You laughed, you laughed and laughed and then you left. But now you know I'm utterly mad.
And they're coming to take me away, ha ha, they're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, ha ha, to the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away, ha ha. 